Quadrant and welcome to the Star Trek Warp Top 10 podcast. This is the podcast where we just jam a new top 10 list into your quantum singularity every chance we get. I am your co-host Phil Rizzo and as always I am joined by fellow jammer Luke Jammer the Jam 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 Boyle. Yeah I knew that would be your name. What's We're going jamming. on Luke? We're jamming huh? We're jamming we jamming. Jesus Christ. You gotta you gotta jammer shove these top 10 lists into these into these awesome dudes faces. <laughs> Some way you're gonna make them listen yeah. to these top tens, you know. It's the only way. To I know listen. we said we wouldn't in the intro episode, but yeah, you know what? Well, now they know we're liars. Yeah, well that that's a start. We're jamming it. We're we're, we're jarring people. We're gonna we're gonna shake them into submission with uh <laughs> with loving Star Trek in our top tens. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> so yeah, so thanks for listening. Uh, so we have uh you know another episode for you. A good one today. We hope. Uh, but before we get started on that, we do have some some housekeeping from our previous episode. So uh, from my end, um, you know, we were wondering uh, if the Jem'Hadar were cloned or bred or hatched or whatever. So it turns out they are, in fact, hatched. They're hatched from eggs. And I had forgotten yeah, which that. Which I had the, no uh, idea. I, I yeah, had no know, idea that. <laughs> me neither, obviously, because we were like, <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're born or cloned or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the next gen episode, uh, um, sorry, deep space episode. Uh, I want to say either Penumbra or Numbra, if the P is silent. Uh, it was the first episode that kicked off the last ten of the finale. Um, apparently, we learned in that episode that they are hatched from eggs. I guess because they're reptilian, that makes sense. Yeah, that's really, what I was if you thinking, think about it, right? Actually, when you mention that, yeah, that does kind of make sense. Yep. Yeah, that makes total sense. Are Cardassians hatched from eggs too? You know what? I I don't think we learned that, but I didn't think we learned about Jem'Hadar either, so I could be wrong. Yeah, I bet if you're If someone's wrong. listening to this and they're like, oh, these guys, just enough. They hit us up, Twitter, Instagram, yeah. anything. Let us know. Show us a picture of a Cardassian being hatched, and we will uh, we'll pack up and go home. We'll honor Til it. next week. Until next week. We will honor it. Next week. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's fair enough. Right. We'll certainly mention you on the pod. No, no question about it. So give us a yeah. shout out. Um, a little and, carrot you know, for you. Yeah. Yeah, right. Or I'll bring the stick. So we have uh, another uh, another Jem Hadar uh, related uh, you know housekeeping. So for me, I, I I wasn't. We were mentioning the episode the abandoned where um, Odo was trying to help uh, the young Jem Hadar not be such a you know such a fighting douche. And uh, we uh, <laughs> I said that it was a uh, season four. And I was I was uh, dead wrong. It was season three. So that's just a quick little. I know I make tons of those what, mistakes uh, on God, here. When are you going to get it right? I, I'm rid- simply not. It's ridiculous. I know it, it kind of is because that's that's like my thing. Like episodes are my my, my thing, and that's uh, my thing is failing me. <laughs> You're taking me seriously. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was season three, folks, of these Spend, not season four. I am shamed, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of all I got from my housekeeping. Luke, you got something for us? Yeah, uh, mine is regarding the Romulans. Um, I believe in the last episode, um, I mentioned that they were only in. Uh, one episode um, in the original series. And uh, it's not true. They were in two episodes. I thought it was they were only in Balance of Terror with um, Mark Leonard playing the uh, main Romulan. Sure. Um, but uh, there was 
Yes. Uh, season three, The Enterprise Incident. It was actually well, all about Romulans. That's Did you watch that one yet? Oddly enough, yeah, we, I, I, I'm not skipping ahead, but that's the one that, you know, our, our podcast buddy Troy showed me when I was with him last time up in up north. So oh, we okay. did, in fact, watch that. So I, shame on me. So I should have, if you know, if you were saying, you know, Balance of Terror was the only, you know, showing of the Romans, I should have remembered that. No, because that, that's where they simply unplugged and plugged back in the, uh, the Romulan right. cloaking we, we, device. Right. We even talked about it. I we didn't remember. We joked about it. I didn't remember that at all. We joked about it with Troy um, when he was our guest, right? Yeah, absolutely. On that episode? Yeah. You're right. I, I don't know how I didn't remember that when uh, we were talking about. Romulan's it's funny. Episode. Part of me thinks, you know, a lot of our listeners are like, you know, um, you know, yelling when they're listening. Like, How do you guys not remember that? And part of me is like, they're going, oh, all right, dad, don't be so hard on yourself, guys. You know, like, I forgot that too. You know, so, and look, you know, yeah. we're, 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 we're trying to get it right for you guys. You know, uh, we're going to get, we're going to get some wrong, you know. Well, that's, but, that's uh, why we have if, these if corrections. We're gonna try to, yeah, we're going to try to make it right if we can, you know, but, but that doesn't mean you can't, um, you know, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and be like, hey, you know, you forgot about this one. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, yeah. you know what? Case yeah. in point, actually, I was I was rewatching. I'm sort of refreshing next gen. You know, there's a few episodes that I've only seen once or maybe twice, so I'm kind of hitting those just here and there. And I'm rewatching the Second Chances episode, season um, six, where you know there's a duplicate Riker. They find him on the uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, planet, and uh, and you know Troy is a. Uh, you know, falling for him again, and you know Tom Riker is putting on the moves. And uh, there's another like gal pal scene between Crusher and Troy that I had completely forgotten. Oh, about. really? Yeah, I thought it was just like the Price episode where she was talking about Devonani Raw, and they were in their little skimpy wait. You know, we're, the mirror roomed workout. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, they were doing warps like you know Klingon Zen calisthenic thing, and they were they were they were they were gal pal oh, it up that's big great. time. Yeah, and I, I forgot all about that. I one. vaguely so, remember that. Nice. There you go. So, you know, the, 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 some of the stuff comes flooding back. You know, we just say things yeah. sometimes, but we're trying to get them right. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, I know we have a few listeners who aren't, or at least not yet, big Star Trek fans. So if all of this is just, you know, you're like, oh, I don't care because I don't know anything about it. Well, then, hey, sorry. We're going to get to the meat. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. We, we will we'll entertain you. Yeah, we'll do our best. So speaking of uh, listeners reaching out over uh, socials to um – point stuff out to us um my cousin actually this is, this is a few episodes back um and i forgot to mention it um as as a correction but my cousin don meeg um pointed out uh this was about the guest stars uh i think this was our guest stars episode when we were talking about marco lamo who plays of course goldicott oh you're thinking of our season finale episode you th- there there's that steel trap that i depend on so heavily in, I my, got in my life because yeah yeah, I, I, I was totally wrong on that. Cool, cool. <laughs> There's my Swiss cheese memory. But uh, anyway, yeah, so Don pointed out um, <laughs> that Marco Lamo was also the um, Romulan in the Neutral Zone episode. Right, right. So he wasn't just in Time's Arrow um, as, as another kind of guest star. Right. Uh, so he's played he's played a, a Romulan and a, a Cardassian and a human. That's a awesome. 19th century human. So, so thanks, Don. Good looking out, brother. Thanks, Don. And, you know, and Marco Lemo, of course, he was really the first Cardassian we ever met uh, in the Star Trek universe. He was he was uh, Golmaset in the um, the Wounded, the fourth oh, right. uh, yeah, the, yeah. Um, sorry, the fourth season episode, yeah, where Captain yeah. Ben Maxwell was going berserk and just destroying Romulan, you know, ships and colonies and stuff. So, I mean, um, Cardassian, you know, ships Cardassian, and colonies. Yeah. So yeah, confusing. So, I'm not. Uh, I'm yeah, not we're all over you. the place. It's either it's Romulan, Klingon, Cardassian. 
Marco yeah. Lamel. It's wrapped up. We got it. Hatching from eggs. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So yeah. So that's that's enough for that. So let's move on to to, to the present. Yeah. So this episode we are doing top ten Star Trek technology or top ten Star Trek tech for you. Um, yeah, we never said we never really thought about what we would call this episode. It doesn't, yeah, you know <laughs> it doesn't what? Really it's roll funny. off the tongue. The Star Trek tech, yeah, it, it can kind of be anything, you know. Um, so <laughs> I think I think Star Trek technological innovations. It might be a little innovations. Too long. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Star Trek. Yeah, there you go. Top ten Star Trek tech innovations or whatever the yeah. hell you want to call it. We're going to talk about the technology of the twenty third, twenty fourth, thirty second. Hey, any kind of Star Trek technology. Uh, what we think our, our top ten things are. Maybe, perhaps. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But not at all. Uh, so, <laughs> well, that's a spoiler now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or as we established, we're, we're just liars, so it could. It could that's go either true way. too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and again, the reason we're talking like this is that we do not reveal our top tens to each other. We kind of want to keep it spontaneous on the pod. So, Luke has no idea what my top ten tech is going to be, and I have no idea what his is. So uh, let's let's uh, solve that problem. Uh, how'd you like to kick it off this week, Luke? <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> yeah. I will. I'm chock full of them. <laughs> uh, okay, number ten. Nice. Here we go. Top ten Trek tech innovations. Nice. Perfect. The badge communicator. Okay. Um, not just communicators. Uh, I think a lot has been made of uh, in 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 culture about uh, you know Star Trek inventing the cell phone, the original series with their with their uh, hand uh, communicators. Indeed. Their flip communicators. Um, but I chose the badge communicator um, because it's just uh, – what intrigues me about it is where's the speaker? Is it in the badge? Um, like it, 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 mu- it must be, right? Somehow one way or another, the, the, uh, the, the audio from, from the other uh, person is obviously coming out of it somehow. Quite clear and loudly um, too. Right, right. So, that, I mean – that alone makes it an awesome innovation. I mean, it's going to be behind it, right? I the suppose. audio fidelity of these things is absolutely bonkers. True. Um, and but especially because they are often. Uh, you ever notice when someone's talking over it, and we're seeing them, they're looking up, like around, as if the speakers <laughs> are overhead. Right? That's true. Like, like they're kind of, you know, they're, they're still sort of amazed at the technology of it. Like they're looking up to God and saying, <laughs> you know, thank you for this. Uh, yes, sir. It's their, kinda. it's their ritualistic, um, uh, Thanksgiving for, for the technology every time <laughs> right. you use it. Right, right, right. Uh, so, which made sense, like when you're inside, like, you know, on the enterprise, for example, like, uh, I, I feel like the idea was, you know, you talk through that thing, you tap it to turn it on, you talk through it, and then the output comes from, like, speakers on the ship. See, because fun, fundamentally what it sounds speaking, like, that's what it looks like they're, they're looking at, right? In theory, it seems like you wouldn't do it in the ship. Like, on a planet, you'd look up to the sky because that's where the ship is. So oh, it, good point, it good seems point. like to me, like, if you're on the surface, you'd be like, hey, yo, what's up? You know, beat me up. Captain, we're ready to go. There's a snake here. But, like, if you're on the ship, like, it, like why would you be looking up at the – Unless the bridge, I guess the bridge is deck one though. So I suppose you know if you're calling the captain, you're looking up at him. But yeah, there you go. Other than that, if you're kind of looking for where you're talking about, I hear what you're saying. So you're thinking it's sort of somehow piped into the 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 room somehow, or like the space that you're that you're in. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I think I think the communicator actually does put out audio in a way that 
makes it sound like it's coming from all around you. So mm. it's, or, or at least in from one direction outside of you, not from the badge itself, but from. And that's interesting. Without. Therein lies why it's amazing. Why it's different than what exactly. we have today. You it's know, like, we got it's phones like the person... that, that have GPSs in them and stuff like that because they're also locators right. too, right? Yeah, sure, right. Good when point, someone wants point. to betray the captain, they just take off their badge, and next thing you know, you can't track them at all. Yeah, and they can do whatever they want. Which is a crazy flaw in, in, in Star Trek. <laughs> well, they just trust, uh, you know, the, the better human um, instincts in us. Yeah, or they trust, you know, Balana Torres to make up something on the spot and try a skeletal lock. She did pull that one out in the first season of Voyager, remember? Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> we could try a skeletal lock. Like, it's something she, like, worked on in that? college, but what? What apparently that that's for, you know what, I, I'm very specifically not sure, but it's something where you just, you just, you just scan for, like, I guess the person's bones and use that to locate them instead of, you know, <laughs> the skeletal amazing. lock. That's I know. amazing. Yeah. It was fun. You know, it, it, in fairness, it was supposed to be meant to show how um, outside the box Torres was with her thinking. Yeah. You yeah. know, but, you know, they, they kind of do that sometimes where, where they so reconstruct, um, you know, they de-age Dr. Pulaski by finding a hair in her hairbrush and then never use that technology again. You know, so it's kind of like they kind of do these things and they're, they're awesome right, for the right. episode. But then it's like, yeah. well, you could solve every problem in the universe by doing that next time. Just make sure someone uses a goddamn hairbrush when they're brushing their hair. That's all. <laughs> Uh, I should Skeletal put hairbrushes as, as my number 10. Yeah. I mean, why not? But, that's, that's, you know, yeah. very innovative to use a hairbrush. All right. Yeah. yeah. So let's get, we, we're done. We're off, we're off and running, baby. So my number 10, a couple of these are going to be sort of deep cuts, I suppose. Um, the number 10 is kind of, so it's the Iconian gateways. Um, mm. so, you know, these are from, um, the episode, uh, next gen episode, season two, Contagion, where they encounter their sister ship, um, the Yamato. Uh, you know, and they almost sort of um, fall under the same, uh, you know, malfunction as, as the Yamato did. The Yamato's destroyed. The Enterprise is trying to avoid it. So they end up going down to the surface of Iconia and uh, and they discover, you know, the gateways. So these right. these legendary demons of air and darkness, you know, were <laughs> thought to have, you know, used these gateways, you know, for war. They just kind of, you know, send some troops through the through these portals that can go Anywhere in like in the galaxy, you know, presumably, I don't think the universe, but I think it was the galaxy. So these doorways can go anywhere in the galaxy instantaneously. Um, but it's they really have to be set up ahead of time. Is that uh, oh am I correct? yeah yeah you know they're they're, they're programmed. Um, you know, Data kind of quickly learned how to use the controls. Um, it was just kind of lucky that the Enterprise was one of the um, you know six hundred billion places that was flashing before their eyes. So they were able to get back to the Enterprise. Oh, so um, it doesn't. Yeah, what I meant was, um, I thought that uh, a gateway had to be on either side of where you're traveling. Oh to no, from. no, I don't. But think that's so. not true. I don't okay. think. Yeah, so. no, obviously not. You're right. You're right because yeah, I, it's a one way door into the Enterprise. Yeah. Okay. So this is really cool, and and you know, and it, it was revisited in the next. Uh, sorry, in the D Space episode, um, to the death, uh, which I believe was season four. I might stick to that one. Um, you know, so the Gemindar oh, were fighting alongside. Um, you know, Starfleet um, in that battle to, to uh, what were they trying to do? I don't know what they were trying to do, but they were on the planet and then, you know, the, the, the gateway was there as well. So uh, they kind of revisited it because it was such a cool idea. Hmm. Um, but, you know, it turns out that, that these demons of air and darkness supposedly were actually explorers and they were using it for more peaceful you know, things that they thought than they thought they were using them for. So right, that was kind of right. cool. Uh, but really just the concept, that, that kind of technology. Imagine just being able to open a gateway and go anywhere sort of in the galaxy that you can. 
Pretty damn cool. Very mine cool. Mine number Very 10. Cool. I couldn't even get we've never, And we never figured out how to use it, I guess. No, yeah. I'm pretty sure they just destroyed it. And uh, I mean, you know, the yeah. um, I, th- I think it did. It was self-destruct, I think. Uh, Picard uh, just self-destructed. It ordered data to figure out self-destruct so the Romulans couldn't use it. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. That makes sense. So, that one was destroyed. And I'm pretty sure the one on uh, in the next in the D Space episode was destroyed as well. Okay. No more. So there no might more be more gateways. out there. No, I'm sure there is actually. Interesting. So that's pretty cool. Cool. All right. All right. My number nine. Uh, well, no, my number nine because that was your number ten. Um, <laughs> you said that. <laughs> uh, subspace radio. Okay. Um, I mean, without subspace radio, uh, like ships, settlements, colonies, etc., would not be able to communicate in any practical matter whatsoever. You know, radio, normal radio would be limited by the speed of light. Um, right. So, I mean, we're talking entire quadrant of the galaxy, for example. You know, you're looking at um, probably at least 50,000 light years to uh, maybe almost 100,000 light years. Um, well, if, they, if the galaxy from side to side is 100,000 light years, then yeah. Yeah. You figure one exactly. quadrant's at least, at least 25,000 light years. Right. Right. Exactly. At so, least. So, uh, so, I mean... So even even a small fraction of that, you could imagine that it would take years and years for most people on average to communicate, like hundreds of years on average, probably or thousands even. Sure. Um, over normal uh, radio, so um, pretty important um, invention, and it's not at all related to uh, warp technology. Um, so that that's why I listed it here because it's not it wasn't like an inevitable outcome of oh we discovered how to travel at warp speeds faster than light. Uh, oh, okay, so now we could just like we have radio technology that works the same way. It doesn't work the same way at all. Mm. Um, I do not know how it works. I don't know if anybody does. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. Obviously, people have. There's been times where it's been hinted at, or but I could I couldn't find anything any any hard information about you know how it actually works. Uh, huh. Obviously, um, you know that makes it a lot easier because I can't even imagine how it would work warp you know warp travel actually makes more kind of physical sense than what i would imagine how this would work hmm, okay originally i remember there were some enterprise episodes where they mentioned subspace radio relay stations um which basically were required for long distance subspace communication um basically like uh, amplifier um stations okay um so my presumption is that it, it wasn't instantaneous um, for that reason as well. It just seems like it wouldn't be instantaneous communication. Maybe it was, but definitely by TNG, um, it was. It, it was pretty. It was in, instantaneous, right? Anytime oh, yeah. there was, was any subspace communication, yeah. I mean, anytime it was like, they encountered an alien, he would you know send a message to you know subspace to start the right, right. The or if, you know, or whatever. Or if the Enterprise was like in some far far flung part of the quadrant. They can just like radio back to Starfleet headquarters on Earth, and it would be more instantaneous than you and I are talking right now, or over the internet, <laughs> over the <laughs> right. matter for like 20, 30 miles. <laughs> right. Um, I love that you called it subspace radio and not subspace communication. Like I guess it's the same thing. But you said subspace radio. I was thinking, you know, yeah, oh, I've heard. Great. Sending out all the hits to uh, Alpha Centauri, you know, like just <laughs> like an actual, radio, you know, right? Get Radio Disney out to uh, out to you know, Beta Z as soon as possible, you know. Wonder if they're getting Casey Kasem, sub, <laughs> right. Casey Sub Kasem. Right, right. 
the alien equivalent of Casey Kasem, which is really <laughs> ridiculous because he's pretty much an alien anyway. True. That's it, yeah, that's good. Right, that's, uh, go. that's number nine for you. I got my number nine. And you know, um, I didn't bring up what I usually do is how I picked my list. And my number nine is oh, reminding yeah. me of that because – Good point. Um, uh, some of these things on the list I sort of, you know, marked as, you know, things we we sort of do have nowadays. Um, so they're not necessarily exclusive just to Star Trek. They're kind of things that we have in our day-to-day lives, some form of that. Mm. Um, but the reason mm. I put them on the list still is because they're sort of game changers in the Star Trek universe. You know, they sort of, you know, change the game for the show they were on or for the, you know, Star Trek as a whole. And I'll tell you what I mean. So my number nine is the Doctor's mobile emitter on Voyager. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, holographic technology, we are not that far away from it already. I know we have we have it to some degree already. Um, and the idea that it would take a 24th century innovation to remove – to just take it from one room to an entire – you know, to the hallway or to all the decks on the ship. Like, that's not a big leap really. I don't think we're going to need 300 right. years to get holographic technology down. You know, maybe to the point, you know, that they have it on the show. No, but – yeah. Yeah. So this is one of those things that doesn't dazzle me where I have to use my imagination to think about what it is. But the Doctor's Mobile Emitter was a game changer. And, you know, and I've always, 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 ever since I started watching American Dad, I've always likened the Doctor's Mobile Emitter to mm-hmm. the role of Roger on American Dad. Do you watch American Dad? I've seen I've seen uh, bits and pieces. Okay, so Roger's Roger the alien. Yeah, the he lives. Alien, he, yeah. So in the first couple of seasons, he pretty much just lived in the attic, and he was just the sarcastic <laughs> smoker who just kind of you know shit on all the, all their, their their plot you know holes and you know just made fun of all the characters. Yeah. But once they the genius you know when they realized Roger was such a good character, they they started putting him in these outfits, all different disguises, and then he would, could go out in the world and do whatever. <laughs> You know, and that was a game changer for that show because Roger ends up right. being the funniest guy on the show, in my opinion. You a know? really big character, right? Yeah. Huge. So, I mean, you know, letting the doctor finally be able to, and it took till the third season for him to get mm. this mobile limiter and just leave sick bay and be able yeah, to take right? part in away teams and take part in like, you know, things going on all over the ship. And he's, you know, he could only be in the holodeck or sick bay before that, you know. And then when they right. went to the, went right. to the, back to 1996 and, you know, they got the 29th century technology. Um, from uh, Ed Begley Jr., you know, so he That's finally right. had this That's mobile emitter. Yeah. yeah, so you know, so he was able to find Sarah Silverman that. episodes. Exactly. Yeah, we, you know, our girl Sarah Silverman. So. So th- that was a real game changer for Voyager, um, and like I said, a real game changer for American Dad. But I think that's a pretty cool, uh, <laughs> pretty cool thing for for Voyager. Uh, you know, it, it 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 and the Doctor, who was one of my personal favorite characters, if not my favorite character on that show. Um, wow. Okay. Robert Picard. Yeah, you know, I I, don't I mean, think I, I, I never I, thought I get about it. that, but Robert Picard was yeah. amazing. He was always, you know, the humor was great. The yeah. um, you know, the the, the crotchety aspect of his <laughs> character was always great. He was right. such a curmudgeon. Um, <laughs> and he was a hologram, which is funny, but that, that's a whole other. That's another conversation. Yeah. But uh, but now, yeah. So the mobile emitter, I, I thought it really changed the game in Voyager. So that's that's my number nine. That's an awesome, very specific, uh, true innovation, an innovation on a fake technology. I mean, hologram <laughs> right. technology is not fake in general, but I mean, obviously, the glaring um, difference between uh, holograms in Star Trek and what we have in any way, shape, or form is that they can be solid. Yeah, exactly right. And right. they are solid. So, I mean, who knows how that works? Um, <laughs> right. But right. Uh, but it, I feel like it was probably just a, a, a random writer or, you know, maybe one of the head writers, who knows, but it could have been anyone who in the third season, um, you know, in, in those episodes specifically where he gets the uh, the mobile emitter, um, probably just had the epiphany, wait, wait, he, 
He's a hologram, so he has to be projected, yes, but he's also, he's he's tangible. He, he's not just, uh, you know, uh, light, like, right. like uh, you know, we would. He's not just photonic. In today's day and age. Right. So, um, so why don't we just strap an emitter on him before he leaves sickbay? Switch the emitter over, <laughs> like you know, switch the the sick bay one off, and then the the mobile one on, and uh, yeah, yeah I mean, the equivalent of a spacesuit, right? The equivalent of just being able to put something on, kind of, yeah, know, right? Travel to a yeah. different environment, really, you know? Yeah, yeah, good it's point. Funny. Yeah, it is like that. I like that they didn't. Whether it was an accident or not, I love the fact that they didn't do it. It, it feels really, really organic being a part of that plot. Like I feel like you know, it, it's not something that so just true. wrote for one episode, but I love the fact that it was sort of just a bonus from that episode that they kind of just so got a true. chance to, to use and utilize. Like it, it really felt organic doing it that way. And it, it, yeah, uh, so much stuff that. just like that. Yeah, you're right. Just, so many things just like that are all, uh, are so often just kind of um, like in the cold open out of nowhere. And it happens to come in handy later in that episode or, you know, <laughs> right. something like that usually. Um, but yeah, good point. It's kind of the opposite uh, here, which, which yeah. is really cool. Definitely a game changer. So, so yeah. So, so, so to put a to put a bookend on what I started talking about is so I chose some of these top tens, uh, some of my um, choices on the list because they really are this fantastic technology that you know you got to use your imagination to sort of wonder about. And some of these were just really cool things that you know we do are you know we do sort of have are working on, but they were they were game changers for the show. So that's that's how I chose my list. Um, so yeah, so I, and I didn't ask you. Like so, even though we're on number eight, how did you uh, yeah. choose your list? That's okay. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the 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 the, uh, the short and long of it is um, uh, the same way I always choose it is just kind of <laughs> completely random. I just go with my gut. And we have, I, we, I know for a fact uh, we have a couple of listeners who love that. By the way, like you just you, no. they, they know that's your answer, but you know. <laughs> Good. All right. Good. I'm glad yeah, yeah. But they're like they, they like people. the fact that you know you just kind of you swing you, you just uh, you know. <laughs> and and that's not to say that I don't um, put thought into it. Like I I, I put it of course not too much thought into it probably <laughs> um, in a way. Um, but it's not very conscious uh, in terms of like the rules uh, that I apply to myself. Yeah. Hey, no rules, baby. You know that. The only rules you apply are the ones you apply to yourself. Ooh. That should be a poster. Yeah. That's, a, that's a bumper sticker right there, guys. You should make... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number eight. Go. Number eight. This one, I just have, in general, medical advances. Okay. Of the 23rd, 24th centuries. That's a good one, actually. Um, yeah, nothing like too crazy here, but um, a few examples I thought of off the top of my head. Well, so yeah, so again, uh, in gen- like overall, just the amazing field of medicine, the state of medicine in in you know three hundred, four hundred years. It's nice from now, um, two, three, four hundred. But so just just some like straightforward examples at the top of my head was, uh, I know that the uh, the common cold no longer exists. Correct. Um, something we can't seem to get right. Uh, maybe we're getting close now with these uh, this new vaccine technology, the mRNA stuff. But uh, but until very recently, it was it was never anything we could ever have a handle on, and <laughs> um, and here, and and so infections in general, I I, I should say, um, one easy way that they have for for making sure you never get infected is that uh, foreign body filters and transporters, right? Mm, correct. Um, it filters out any kind of yeah. Um, so you don't alien, to, there's, bacteria there's no, or viruses. 
Right, exactly. So, I mean, so why can't it? I'm sure they do apply it to just Earth, you know, typical Earthbound uh, human uh, sure. viruses and, and, and whatnot. Good point. Um, yes, yeah, so there's no uh, decontamination uh, period after you come back from, from a planet or anything because of mm. this. So, I mean, maybe it's a sledgehammer, but uh, if they have no other, like, technology <laughs> for, like, instantly curing of you in, uh, of infections, they could just send you through the transporter. Yeah, right. Um, Makes total sense. Not even, not even to go anywhere. You know, you just end up in the same spot. But Right. Um, no headaches. Remember there was a Next Gen episode where they pointed out that headaches are extinct. And you, which, where Picard, where the Frankie were giving Picard the really bad headache? Yeah, it must be that, right? right? I, I'm assuming because he had a horrible headache, but it was the Ferengi device yeah. that was doing it to him. That's right. That's right. That That's probably it. Yeah. Because I, I just remember them remarking that like, what? He- no, no one gets headaches anymore. I mean, yeah, probably said something like, there hasn't been a he- report of a headache in, you know, so many years or whatever. And Picard's like, you know what? Just give, me, give me a freaking aspirin crusher. All right. Clearly I have a headache. We haven't seen a headache since uh, we first saw the Romulans in the <laughs> Zone episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, that seems like a harder one because, like, headaches are caused by a million trillion different things. Hmm. So, really? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, like trauma or uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, the, too much the, caffeine. Like, or physiologically, like, <laughs> like his, I was like, I don't know what goes in a bodily. <laughs> yeah, no, headache, just you know. yeah, right, well, right. I me gotcha. That's why we're not doctors, Phil. We are not doctors, not of um, you know headaches anyway. Not headache doc. We're de- we're definitely not headache doctors. No. Um, another one is, uh, uh, vision problems, imperfect vision. Mm. Um, except blindness, apparently. Very good point. Very good. Well, yeah. You just shot me down. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, well, I'm done done with this one. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, Luke, you're wrong. So my number day, just move on, you know? (laughs) No, here what I'm specifically referring to is um, nearsightedness and farsightedness. Oh, I got you. Um, so did, recall did in, uh, yeah, in um, Wrath of Khan. Um, remember, uh, Bones gives Kirk um, a pair of reading glasses because he's apparently allergic to the drug that cures. Oh, because I was going to cite that as as like, no, you're wrong, because Kirk was using glasses to, he was the only That's what, twice he was in allergic. the movie. Yeah. Oh, how yep. about that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he mentions that he's allergic to it, which is crazy, because like, there's a drug to cure, like, like we have like LASIK to correct the, uh, <laughs> right. you know, the curvature of your lens. Um, the fact that they like go <laughs> completely in another direction in a few hundred years and like, forget about that kind of physical you know, correction, corrective technology and just... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to shoot a laser through your yeah. eye. We're just going to give you a drug. Crazy yeah, bastard. Yeah, we're just put these eye drops in your eye and if you're allergic, oh, well, you got to still wear glasses, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. Um, well, and I feel like, I feel like the, the big medical leap is, uh, you know, 10 cc's of, of anaprovalin cures anything, for sure. <laughs> or 10 cc's of trianolin if it's really bad. Um I don't think Crusher's ever asked for anything other than 10 cc's of anything. So unless like they're dead and then it's like, okay, up it to 50. You know, then, then, you know, that's always the... But then they have I mean, to use five hyposprays because oh, it right. holds 10. 
I guess. I assume. Right, right in the neck. <laughs> so I mean, you're right. Totally right. The medical tricorder, the, the hypospray, right? You know, it's, there's a lot of yeah. cool stuff that they could use. I mean, yeah. burns and lacerations are gone in seconds. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, right. Just kind of even in, in uh, even in uh, Enterprise or not Enterprise Discovery, um, like scars are a thing of the past. Right. I made a point of it because uh, uh, who was it that had a scar and he didn't want to get rid of it? Right. Right. Kept it. That's, yeah. that's a good call. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't Jason Isaacs, yeah. was it? No, no. It was um, uh, Stamets' husband. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Oh, okay. Cruz? The doctor. No, yeah, the, Cruz. Cruz. That's, yeah. His, that's his real name. Wilson that's his Cruz. name in real life. Okay, right, right. Yeah. Wilson Cruz. Okay. Right. Well, well, well anyway. that guy. He's great. That's a failure. Listeners, um, reach out to the socials. Uh, we're not going to bother to Google it. I'm going to save think. you here, Luke. Captain Calhoun had a scar. Oh really? Save made. Oh, no, Calhoun from New Frontier. I'm just I'm just messing around. He definitely yeah. kept that scar because it reminded him of his uh, Xenian past. But that's that's oh, that's, oh, that's oh, neither oh. canon nor 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 part of the issue. But yeah. it's, it's it's pretty darn cool, folks. So yeah, the novels aren't uh, canon. They absolutely um, are not. They're just they're just fun reads. Peter interesting. David, God bless. Thanks for the save. Hey, there you go. Save made. Um. So one last thing I want to mention. Uh, all all that magical medical technology, almost the point of magic. But uh, one episode, they pointed out that there is still diabetes still exists. What? What? Yeah, I can't remember. I wish I I I, I briefly tried to Google it. I couldn't find it. It Had something to do with a Klingon. I don't was know that the, the original Klingon? series. No, it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it was next gen. Almost positive. Really. Um, it could have been Deep Space Nine, but oh, I don't think so. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. He did yeah. need injections. The That's Klingon who was mod. accused of, of sabotaging the Enterprise in the Drumhead episode. Oh, yeah. that, that Is that, that what you're referring it. to? That's probably it. He needed injections for... He was diabetic? I, he, they never said diabetes, but I'm sure that okay. was what it was certainly like supposed to be, like okay. alluding to. Maybe I'm conflating that with... Some other point where they specifically mention I am a type one diabetic myself, so believe you me, I, <laughs> I uh, my ears perked up and my heart <laughs> heard the word shattered diabetes. into a million places pieces when uh, they mentioned someone having diabetes. In the they might have been on planet diabetes four. They might have been there. Are you sure it wasn't that? Oh right, yeah. They that that's probably it. They just all had diabetes. I was like part of their yeah. That that's was just it. Thing. Yeah, you you were weird yeah. if you didn't have to give yourself injections all day. Yeah, right, right, right. Odd. What an odd planet that is. <laughs> there was a planet called Ditalics B from the um, for real? conspiracy episode of Next Gen. Yeah, and okay. I always wondered, you know, that was, that was such a cool name for for a planet. I thought, you know, let's meet on Ditalics B. I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. But that wasn't it. So apparently diabetes is still around. Interesting. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. (laughs) Well, it's great. My number eight is certainly one of those things that we do not have nowadays. It's the Genesis device. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So We do not have that. This is something that that a school child could build for fun if they want to, but most people (laughs) don't do that. So, so Weston did Wesley build it for fun once, yeah. um, but uh, <laughs> but the Genesis device, yeah. So from Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, um, this thing can pretty much terraform a planet from nothingness in a week. It's pretty much it's pretty much God. So it, it can yeah, create great. a world in it's a week. God device, obviously. Yeah, the Genesis device. You know, what's really cool. I didn't pick up on this until I'd seen Wrath of Khan as an adult, but in mm. the um. The opening uh, title screen to Wrath of Khan 
It just mm. says in the 23rd century. And I always thought that was awesome. I didn't get the fact that it was it was alluding to in the beginning, the beginning of the Bible. Um, oh, okay. Until like oh. I was an adult. I really thought that was cool. Um, when I, I put that together that. after the 47th time. Yeah, well, okay, cool. Well, there you go. Yes, I mean, yeah. I assume that's what they were going for. Um, yeah, it sounds right. Because no other Let's go with that. Trek movie has that, you know, in the 23rd century. It's cool because it kind of gives you a time and place, but it's also a very cool, you know, a reference to the Bible. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Right. So the Genesis device, cool. yeah, I mean, you know, most people have seen Wrath of Khan. Uh, but if you haven't, you know, a Federation scientist, uh, Carol Marcus, and her son sort of developed this device. And it was supposed to be able to uh, terraform planets. And I, I guess assumed to just feed people um, who lived on the planet just to kind of create a thriving e- you know, ecosystem on a planet. Um it, of course, ended up being, you know, uh, unstable and, um, you know, really just a menace, uh, not for Wesley, but for, for everyone else in the 23rd century. So, um, but it's still <laughs> an amazing thing. It brought Spock back to life. It created an entire planet, um, you know, so that that's that's one of those, you know, things that we, we're not quite working on yet in California. Um, they don't have that down yet, so... so. <laughs> The Genesis device. Not in California, anyway. Not maybe in Sweden. They're doing good things over there, but uh, yeah, yeah, true. You know, they do have God particles, from what I hear. But you know, that's a that's another <laughs> well, that's story. Switzerland, but another I'll, top I'll let ten. That go. Oh, no, no, please inform me. I said that's uh, Switzerland, CERN. Oh, Switzerland, of course. Right, okay, Switzerland. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. Hey, okay. it began with an S, right. so you know. Yeah. Um. And with a. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> Okay. Saves Luke one, Phil one, baby. All right, all right. That's my cool. number eight. Anything on the all Genesis right. device? Um, no, other than no. That's it. All right. Good point. Give good, me a good, give me a number. Seven. Good work. Thank you, sir. Number seven. Thank you. You're welcome. Number seven. Food replicators. Mm. Nice replicators in general. I mean, I guess the technology is you know they they have replicator re- replicated uh, uniforms and and whatnot. Yeah, um, absolutely. But most of the time, they're they're talked about in the context of food. Which sure. Makes sense because that's pretty amazing that you can just have anything you want to eat anytime, always. Yeah. As long as you have enough raw, raw I don't. Who knows what the? I don't know what the raw material is. I like guess probably just like. Well, let's get into right? so like, It's got to be like stores yeah. of you know like matter, like somehow stores of energy right. or matter right. that just like generic matter, right? Right. That's just taken. When you activate, you know, um, you know, replicators, and it's just used to transform it into whatever. Because I mean, you know, as far as we know, mm-hmm. the, the rule of matter hasn't changed. You can't create it or destroy it. You can just sort right. of alter it, right? Is that correct? You can, yeah, you can change it into energy and and back into to matter. Okay, um, they're interchangeable, but right, you can't. They can't be destroyed. So, so we're going to touch on this, you know, a couple of times on this pod. So yeah, so I, I assume that every ship or starbase or whatever planet, they have these stores of, of you know, of matter that they can kind of use to transform into food, blankets, you know, uniforms, like you said, anything really. Yeah, I always kind of pictured it like um, just like cubes, like giant, not giant, but big cubes of just like generic matter, like like mm. some sort of like carbon substrate or some, something. Huh. Um, but I think about it, uh, it would probably be just as easy um, to go the uh, Doc Brown route, uh, route and um, just throw anything you want into like just just waste, right? Just any of the waste on, you know, your, your ship or, or your house or whatever you have your replicator on. It, it could probably just take like general stuff. And, um, so it's recycling basically. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, like most things can be, uh, most, most garbage can be probably converted into, um, you know, a few different, uh, main kinds of, of, uh, elements or, or, or even just energy. Um, <gasps> you know, we're talking about like, uh, you know, we have, um, uh, you know, warp, uh, uh, engine technology. They, they probably convert any waste, any matter at all into pure energy. Huh. They should convert it to auxiliary shielding because they always seem to need that. And it's never that good. Yeah, I know. That's true. Garbage. Maybe we should uh, we should write them a letter. <laughs> write, write the future a letter. <laughs> a fake future. A fake future. People haven't invented anything yet about making it better. <laughs> hey, assholes, you know those things you didn't invent yet? Make it better. <laughs> Just put it into a time capsule and hopefully they'll find it <laughs> Just at leave the right it. time. A berating sort of just rant <laughs> on how they didn't do anything yet, but they're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, so food, food at the at, at your fingertips. You know, no one, no one goes hungry in the Federation ever again. There's no famine. There's no, right. you know, there's no uh, right. starvation. Yeah, it's just you know anything you want. I as mean, Troy, Troy came, brought us to the brink of starvation with all her chocolate ordering, apparently. <laughs> but uh, the molecules, yeah. <laughs> with the molecules <laughs> forming right in her mouth. <laughs> Stuck her mouth in there like like a water fountain. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just um, rewatched. I just watched an episode where um, not not a good episode. Uh, season seven, next gen liaisons, where they, uh, you know, Troy was taking this one of these aliens around, and apparently he had never like you know eaten or you know and you know indulged in food or anything. So. Even she got sick of chocolate in that episode, but the whole episode, they're, they're just devouring <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, food. Yeah, I remember it's, that, it's right. Yeah. yeah, totally. You know, matter of fact, awesome. the second episode that I can think of, only one of two episodes mm-hmm. on Next Gen, just a quick sidebar, and I think yeah. I might have mentioned this, that and the outrageous Akana, the only two episodes where the Enterprise was never in any kind of actual danger. Oh, yeah, yeah, you kind of meant, yeah, you did mention that recently. Yeah, and I added on, so, so I remember this episode, it seemed like they were, but they never were in any kind of actual danger. Um, so this is at least okay. a little better than Okana, um, but uh, but still, yeah. So no no stakes really. But you didn't know that is actually it, in this episode. Is it end. really that rare that, that that like the ship as a whole is like not in danger? I mean, help me out, uh, not everybody. Um, you know, listening. So in in my head, when I was when I first got into Next Gen and I watched the outrageous Okana, I, I I liked the episode because I liked the actor. Um, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but I really liked him a lot. I liked him in The Rocketeer, and I liked him, you know, just as an actor. And uh, it was the Joe Piscopo episode, so it really wasn't anything mm. at stake in this episode. But I also mm. liked Joe Piscopo. <laughs> um, but that was a uh, – but it was just a family dispute that Picard was helping to solve, you know. So the Enterprise crew just had this right. these warring, you know, royal families, and they were just trying to like, you know, just men – you know, and kind of was just this rogue – you know, a uh, guy who was just beat bang Terry Hatcher in the beginning of the episode. And then, you know, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I guess that was at stake, I guess, because, you know, that's pretty important. Yeah, um, she's a beautiful lady. So, yeah. Sure. Why wouldn't you? So, so I remember thinking in my head, wow, like the Enterprise was in not in danger at all in that episode, you know, or, or, or no one on the Enterprise. Like, like, you know, in, 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 in the horrible yeah, Code yeah, of Honor yeah. episode where they stole Yar, like, I mean, the Enterprise wasn't in danger, but like Yar's oh, yeah, life okay. was threatened. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there were no right. lives threatened in these two episodes, as far as I could tell. Um, How about the one where uh, the name is uh, of the episodes I'm drawing a blank on, but uh, where, where the, uh, <laughs> the Irish, the thinly veiled, um, Irish yes. uh, clan of, of, yeah, of I feel people. like 
again, I, I'm not that one. I'm not sure about. I feel like there was something else. I feel like the B story going on there was something different, but I can't okay. remember. It was called okay. up, "Up the Long Ladder." Was the um the episode? I remember that. Yeah, one, of you course. Know, I think you're right. I think you're right. Think, no, no, that, that, that's a great great bring up. There's also another one that's popping in my head now, where where um mm. the uh, where Lawaxana was trying to marry the bartender in the holodeck. <laughs> Like I feel like not the warp core. Not time. the warp core. She was trying to marry marry yeah. the holodecks. I mean, marry the holodecks. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to actually marry technology, which is interesting. That that that's that's number number six on my list. Um, so so you're right. There's probably more out there, but it, it's it's funny. It's, those are the only two that jump right to mind. So uh, oh hey, you know what? I know everyone's clamoring for this, folks. Calm down. I'm gonna bring you <laughs> organically. It could be years from now, but I'm gonna all the all the episodes that I watch that there's no actual threat to the crew or the ship. I'll bring that to you. I promise. And Luke, I'm sure you'll do the same. Is that correct? I absolutely will not. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the absolute dumbest, most boring tangent we've ever gone on ever. <laughs> um. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, is it my number seven? It is your number seven. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and jump in with my number seven. Just, just, to, just. To, I know Dave's still listening, but no one else is. So I'm gonna go ahead and. No, Dave's. Remember, Dave passed. Dave, ah, rest in peace, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize to, to Dave. Uh, so my number seven is uh, androids, but really the positronic brain is really what I'm talking mm. about here. Yeah. And this is something that we may, you know, we do see an inkling of, you know. So they're trying to create computers that could, you know, that that have beaten humans in chess, right? That kind of thing. Um, I'm not really up on that stuff but we have some sophisticated computers <laughs> right <laughs> whenever luke laughs like that we do I, i'm we always do. missing like several key facts and <laughs> what i'm just sort of <laughs> spewing out of my stupid mouth but you know, so i understand we have computers is that right <laughs> dr well, space so, actually let me break it down for you there you go I did, that tone of voice is simultaneously um condescending and sexually arousing i have to say because <laughs> I, I get excited. I know I'm going to learn. Fair enough. I'm going to learn. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's the same thing my wife usually says when I use any kind of tone of voice. <laughs> and now I'm simultaneously complimented and depressed. <laughs> so, only because I, I, I only want to be your wife insofar as, you know, we do this podcast together. So I'm your podcast wife in a lot of ways. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, uh, yeah. So, so the positronic brain, you know, so I, I do know we have – we have some sophisticated computers. So there is an inkling of that kind of thing. But the positronic brain apparently is on a whole other level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, several trillion calculations per second kind of thing. Data throws out there every once in a while. Um, it's a pretty good computer. Uh, I always wondered if Data's positronic brain was better than the Enterprise computer. I, I, mm. I never knew which one was better. I guess in my head I always thought the Enterprise computer was a little bit better because of its, um, I guess, storage capacity. But I can't imagine that's even an issue Considering that we're, you know, we're, we're even past like terabytes at this point. Oh, shit, I did it again. Are we even anywhere near past terabytes, Luke? We, yeah, we are. We, we I are. thought so. Okay, good, good. Okay. So I I'm, mean, you're not. I'm not at home. No, right. No. But we do have that. But we do also have, um, you know, just like cloud storage now. Right. Know, which okay. I'm sure is just going to be, it's such a, non, a no-brainer, especially as, as uh, like networks get faster and faster. Um, I'm sure it's going to be just completely ubiquitous in, in the 23rd, 24th century. You would think, right? Yeah. So yeah. so storage, I guess, isn't a factor on which brains, you know, which computer is better. But anyway, positronic brain is pretty crazy. You know, just, just you know, data walking around, lore walking around, like, um, you know, B4, I guess, to some degree, walking around. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool invention, you know. Nuni and Soong put together these androids that, you know, really, you know, they're automatons for sure. And they really um, – you know, not only resemble, you know, humans, but they, the you know, sort of aspire to be human. Even Lore 
to a degree, aspires to be True. an asshole. True. Um, he aspires to be Mac- <laughs> Machiavelli, you know. Um, right, right. Even if you want to admit it. Right, of course, you know. Or actually, I guess his fault is or not a fault that he actually knows what he is and he does admit it. And he's yeah, kind of like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm an true. asshole. That's I'm going true. for it. Deal with it. Data. Yeah. Good point. Good point. You, know, you can't use your contractions like a little. <laughs> so, <laughs> why, why would that make him a little, little wuss? Um, <laughs> and why would that even be real? You say like cannot white. and will not. <laughs> I could say can't, bitch. You know, so he, he apparently has that to lord over data. Um, so, yeah. So that's positive brain. <laughs> You know, I'm sure there's more technology that we could talk about, but I just think it's pretty cool uh, that it gave us androids um, and probably, yeah, you know, one yeah. of the best characters of Star Trek ever, you yeah. know, Data. Well, I so so real quick, uh, a couple of points. I, the Enterprise computer must offer something that Data Data's brain can't do because he's always using it, right? He's always, like, researching on it, even using his, his android eyes to read, you know, like a, a, a screen of, of Data. It's great, as opposed great point. To, you know, just just um, yeah. Because otherwise, he, he just in the same brain, storage, but, he could just dump the whole the whole of the enterprise computer into his own, and he would never have to do that into his own brain. Yeah, I can totally yeah, right. true. I mean, I can't imagine what what the what what the enterprise computer could do that he can't. Could so it, it like track like thing. track like stellar stuff? You know, does it like sort of like well, uh, you know, plot it, courses yeah, and that kind of thing? You know what it is? It's probably not the computers themselves, but it's what they're connected to the the io components of, mm, of the computer so to speak right. the, the uh, sensors and um you know running diagnostics level level two diagnostics all right the he time. can't do that just with his brain he would need you know something plugged into that system right he either have to plug in or again it could be over a wireless network who knows but it, you they know it's, those? It's, 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 it's yeah yeah okay so phil um there's this thing called um the internet Ooh, sexually aroused i'm gonna learn um yeah, and uh, well, I'll tell you more about it later. Yes, of offline. course. It's a good I'm point. Gonna bore our listeners, <laughs> but yeah. So, like, I mean, there's probably like why bother like uh, creating some sort of interface between himself and like a random uh, sensor array or something when the computer already has that, right? So makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. The other thing I want, uh, I just wanted to mention is like, I was always fascinated by the fact that it's positronic and how it actually works. Positrons is, uh, are, are um, anti-electrons. Um, hmm. uh, it's antimatter. So, you know, on a ship, they use antimatter for, for fuel, of course, for the warp core. Um, they have these, like, huge, like, magnetic fields that contain the antimatter. Because if nothing's containing it, it should, if it comes into contact with any other matter, normal matter, they'll annihilate each other. Huh. And, you know, that much however much antimatter you had will destroy the equal amount of normal matter on the ship or whatever. So it has to be like magnetically contained. And that that's, that's true in, in real particle accelerators that we have today. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, so anyways, yeah, yeah. I was always fascinated like that. That's gotta be one of the, the most amazing, um, uh, innovations of Noonien Soons was, was, uh, developing something the size of a human brain that, could uh, not only contain but make use of positrons somehow. Wow, that's awesome! I didn't even know what positrons were. I yeah, like the way it sounded, awesome. but uh, yeah. Hey, and that's and probably gentlemen. where it came from originally. But Doctor Space shows up. Who knew? <laughs> it's me. It's a me. It's you. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Number six. Yeah. Speaking of 
Dr. Space stuff. <laughs> Impulse engines. Oh, okay. The unsung hero of um, <laughs> Star Trek technology, I think. <laughs> That's so true. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, it, it didn't even occur to me until I started um, thinking about this this week's list. Um, but it, it, it slowly dawned on me that, I mean, these things are amazing. Um, okay. And, 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 and they're truly unsung, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, impulse engines, sorry, just move us into orbit or something. Yeah, Worf's yeah. younger, ugly brother. I mean, Warp, uh, Warp's younger, ugly brother. <laughs> Worf's. A Freudian slip, perhaps? Well, I'm sure Worf's brother's not very hot, but. <laughs> yeah, he has uh, an older brother, doesn't he? He doesn't have a younger brother. Yeah, yeah. He's got Paul, uh, Paul Sorvino's his older brother. Yeah, I can't. F- Wait, what? Paul Sorvino plays like his half-brother, right? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, his his human brother. His uh, yes, human yes, brother, yes. Right? I'm sorry. His yeah. adopted brother. Right. Okay. He wasn't a. Uh, okay. He wasn't a, a Klingon. I was thinking, yeah, he played his Klingon brother, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, oh, uh, Korn, uh, Kern. Korn. Kern. Right. Korn. <laughs> metal. New metal core. Well, he is a freak on a on a leash, isn't he? <laughs> Kern. 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 Of course, Kern. Tony Todd. Kern. The great Tony Todd. Hey, he's got there some good. Go. Tony Todd and Paul Sorvino, pretty good brothers. Yes, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Good, good so trip. I'm derailing you, buddy. So impulse, go. We are, we are, we're derailing each other. Um, thanks for sticking with us, not Dave. I hope, <laughs> I hope someone, someone's out there. Um, so impulse engines. Um, so unlike warp, uh, which you know creates a warp field and you know, blah blah blah. I'm not going to get into all that now, but it's very exotic um, uh, kind of physics going on there. Um, impulse engines are just uh, apparently just just use the same principles as rockets um they push mass out of the back as fast as it can to make the the ship go forward huh. um hence impulse oh, okay um yeah I guess but they're, so. they're, they're extraordinarily fast though um they have to be you know, even to navigate within at, a solar system right yeah so I, I looked up some some specs about it on uh good old uh, memory alpha um memory alpha is that the name of the sure is the wiki? Good. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to cite that later, actually. Great, great site. Cool. Cool. Um, but so so apparently um, they can go really like a, a significant fraction of the speed of light, which is extremely fast. Um, but for for practical reasons, I'll get in for a second, but uh, ships apparently tend to stay below a quarter of the speed of light on, on impulse engine. Okay. Um, that's amazing. A quarter of the speed of light... Um, Still crazy. That's like fast. Inter- interplanetary travel on the order of um, hours, days. We could get to like everywhere in our solar system. Well, I, actually, it's funny. I, I just saw something on this. So, to give you a, a frame of reference for that, so traveling at the speed of light, um, traveling from Earth to the outer, is it Kuiper belt? The Kuiper belt, yep. I'd say that again. Kuiper? Kuiper. Okay, I'm sorry. It was mm-hmm. K-U-I, so I was saying. So to the outer yeah. Kuiper belt, it's it's almost seven hours traveling at the speed of light. Yeah. That, just okay. from Earth to... At the speed of light, right. So so there you go. That might give you an idea So you know of, 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 of what a quarter of the speed of light would do. So I guess that's, it depends that's a great on reference, yeah. how they come out of... how When they come out of warp, I guess, is basically, you know. So they're not going to come out of warp way outside a solar system because then impulse, even at impulse, which would be a quarter of the speed of light, it would still take them a long time to get to whatever planet they were going to, right? Yeah, yeah. So right, they're definitely you know in in interplanetary uh, travel definitely needs warp, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, like inter um, inter intersystem. Uh, solar sure. intersystem. Sure, yeah, thanks. totally. Um, definitely need warp. Otherwise, you're talking about 
years and years at the very least um with just a quarter speed of light like a long time to get even to the closest star yeah so so another frame of reference uh is that it takes um sunlight from the sun to travel to the earth eight minutes so so the earth is eight minutes eight light minutes away from from the sun wow which means so if you're traveling if we have an impulse engine from earth we can get to the to the sun in about uh what like half an hour yeah like 32 minutes i guess if if it's yeah that's great um, so yeah, I mean, these things are, are, are amazing. So the reason that, um, uh, they try to stay at a low, generally a low speed, unless in the case of emergencies, uh, apparently is time dilation, which, occur- which is, is a consequence of, um, relativity, um, special huh. relativity, Einstein's theory, um, which has been proven over and over again, of course, to be, um, a, a bedrock principle of, of, of how the universe works. Time dilation real quick, basically is, is uh, if you're, if one person is going, uh, moving away from another person who's quote unquote stationary, they'll see each other's um, clocks move, so to speak, move more slowly than their own. And it's not just the clocks, like literally time is moving more slowly to the other person for the other person in the reference of this person, huh. if that makes sense. That was a terrible it explanation. Sort of does. I kind of remember hearing something similar to that, where like if someone was holding a digital clock and you traveled mm-hmm. away from them at the speed of mm-hmm. light, you would just see that that same time on the digital clock forever, right? That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly okay. right. That, that made sense and, to me as again, a kid. And that's just, um, that's just an, uh, kind of a way, uh, you know, talking about clocks moving more slowly or standing still is kind of a way to, to picture, uh, to, to visualize it and to make sense of it. Um, but again, it's really, it's not just the clocks. It's literally everything in that frame of reference huh. um, that you're looking at. The whole visual you field know. you're looking at and you can, it's all. Yeah, it's 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 not appearing to move more slowly. It is moving mm. more slowly. But almost paradoxically, it turns out it's not paradoxically, but to our limited brains, it it, it, it is. The same is true in the reverse. So the person on Earth is looking at the person who's moving away from Earth. If there's no acceleration happening, you know, just moving at constant speed, they're both moving away from each other at the same speed. Huh. There's no, there's no, there's no such thing as stationary in that sense. Huh. So, so, the, so the person on Earth is actually seeing the person in the ships' uh, time moving more slowly than theirs. So it's that, and vice versa. It's, it's. It's a lot to wrap your head around. Yeah, you lost me at the end there. I got to tell you the truth. So yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'm I'm doing a horrible. Th- See, this is why I didn't go into uh, teaching. <laughs> Seriously, uh, I'm not I'm not that good at it. But anyway, what the, the long long story long. The point I'm getting to is when you introduce acceleration into it. So in other words, someone leaves Earth, they have to accelerate up to, let's say, a quarter of the speed of light, and then, let's say, they come back. They're accelerating to turn around, then they're, you know, decelerating and then accelerating again, and then they're decelerating when they get to Earth. That changes things, and it's no longer um, equal. So the um, the, the most uh, pop culture example of this is Planet of the Apes. Um, that's why when Charlton Heston and them come back to Earth, first of all, they don't know it's Earth because they got all disoriented, I think, mm. if I remember correctly, like in terms of navigation. Um, it was so far in the future. Because they were traveling uh, 
at least a significant fraction of the speed of light. And when they came back, uh, Earth, Earth's time had had just gone so far into the future. And never having done um, that, they didn't realize that was going to be an effect of traveling at that speed. Possibly, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. I know it was never clear to me um, whether. I mean, they should have known that if space travel was a thing, they should definitely <laughs> be aware of general relativity and, and time dilation and whatnot. But so, uh, so even at a quarter of the speed of light, uh, I just crunched some numbers and that time difference is still like 15%. So so if you're go if if you're going at a quarter of the speed of light, you come back to Earth, uh if you're traveling for a year, then on Earth 15% more than a year would have passed. Huh. Um so it's not nothing. No. Um again, when you as you approach the speed of light, it becomes uh infinite, which is, you know, but we we can well, that's another story. But um <laughs> story yeah, <laughs> gather around. It's another tale my grandpa will tell me when I'm. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you about approaching the speed of light, son. <laughs> it's actually the same story, but it's but a uh, a part I won't get into. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I, I've dwelled on this way too long. Um, no, this is. I mean, being, we're, we're 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 putting it out there, baby. I love it. This is uh this is a whole new whole new pod for everybody. The, the, yeah. So the point being, like, so when I first thought about impulse engines for this list, I was like, "How fast do they actually travel?" It seems like it must be kind of fast. I had no idea it was this fast. Huh. So the amount of time dilation that's happening all the time for all different ships uh, across the galaxy, or the quadrant at least, it's um, it's ludicrous. It's a, it, it would be it would be chaos. <laughs> um, everyone would be aging at different rates relative to each other. And wow, uh, there's got to be some sort of tech just, that we don't know about that's compensating for that. You would think. Yeah, it's right. Similar to like the Heisenberg compensation exactly for, for exactly. transporters. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, there there could very well be, um, but I I haven't come up with anything. Anyone even mentioning to going this, you know, they, they mentioned that's why they stay at low speeds because of time dilation. But I didn't see anyone mentioning like, wow, well, it would still be an issue. So, well, I think that's why every time the Enterprise does that Tokyo Drift thing, that entire civilizations perish. I think that's why they don't do that <laughs> that often. Only when they have to, let's get out of here. They do that turn around thing and just, right. you know, just just to, just to, you know, because they, they don't want to wipe out too many civilizations when they're you know just just a tuck tail and run. So, I totally right, get it. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I, I could go on more and more about impulse engines, but uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, just save it. Uh, save it for your parole hearing. Um, so we're gonna do uh, number six. Number six is a uh, yes. holodeck slash holo suites. Um, of course, which it's a bit. They're only number six, which is kind of amazing. But so yeah, right. So the holodecks. <laughs> you know, we don't gotta go too much into it. Um, you know, so similar technology to transporters and replicators, I would imagine. So. I would imagine it's the same type thing. They just have these enormous stores of energy that we talked about, energy and matter, mm-hmm. um, and they use that to create these environments. If you have never seen Star Trek before, a holodeck is sort of a um, sort of a fantasy room that you can go into and make anything appear. You could do um, you could recreate Victorian London. You could recreate the planet mm-hmm. Romulus. You can recreate um, a shoulder roll training facility. Uh, you could <laughs> you could create. As- was done many many times. Yeah, you 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 could work with Einstein on grand unification theory. So you could create anything you want in these holodecks or hollow suites. Um, hollow suites seem to be. I'm going to talk about my uh, fiance Angel. So hollow suites seem to be what masseuses are, and holodecks are what massage therapists are. 
So apparently massage therapists are licensed therapists and masseuses are, um, you know, dirty, happy ending people. Now, I don't know if that's exactly 100% true, but uh, I know that Quark's no Hall Suites. No offense. Uh, no, no, no offense to anyone who's a, who's a masseuse. Um, and that's a great episode of Seinfeld, but apparently. But I mean, get licensed. Come on. Yeah, yeah, get a license. I'm just please. saying. I'm just saying. Isn't that what, what Shatner said on SNL? Get a license. What are you people? Um, so. <laughs> Off I think that's the rails. Episode, by the way, completely but, off yeah. the rails. Yeah, yeah. There you Us? go. Right now. Yeah, yeah. 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 This it, this pod's been off the rails since the, the half hour ago. So anyway, yeah. I don't even know how much we're gonna edit this. So we'll, we'll zero. Much. None. Zero. Zero. Yeah. There um, you go, listeners. And I, I do so like your little uh, your little uh, yeah. It's a little foreshadowing there. They get a license. Yeah, yeah. People. For so one of our next lists. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna yeah. we got a good top ten coming for you later. Anyway, so yeah, so um, so so quarks uh, uh, sweets are you know usually for more of the sultry sort of fantasy, you know things that you can recreate. Uh, I imagine there's some Orion slave girls up in there, and uh, mm-hmm. you know some rough Klingon sex, that kind of thing. Um, you know the Ponfariest Vulcan up there, trying to just trying to get some <laughs> from uh, some visitors on DS9, but uh. <laughs> Holodecks are pretty damn amazing. You know, uh, we know they never work, of course. If you're, you know, if you watch any anything on Next Gen, you know that, you know, if someone's on a holodeck, it's going to fail. Yeah. Um, yeah. But miserably. there's still a pretty, pretty cool invention. Uh, you know, if Picard's, you know, doing Dixon Hill or Data's doing Sherlock Holmes or, uh, you know, Bashir is doing, uh, you know, his his best James Bond impression. They're, they're fun episodes and it's a fun invention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you mm-hmm. know, holodecks. Well, what more can you say? That's great. Oh, I, except for this. One of my favorite lines of The Simpsons, you know, uh, oh, you want that? Well, I'd like a, an hour on the holodeck with seven of nine, right? Like, <laughs> love that comic book guy line, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty deep cut at the time, I guess, you know. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's pretty inside baseball. Yeah, it was. It was. But, uh, yeah, you know. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> my number six. All right. My number five. Flying cars. Whoa. Finally. That's it. We got them. So that's all i gotta say done right they they have flying cars they do right they definitely do i were we uh at a previous episode or was it just like sometime offline we were talking about this and like what like do they even call them cars what do they call them like these like basically flying cars That's i think it was us. yeah like what are the transports yeah. like like what do you call them right but i mean the transport kind of implies like a like someone's driving a bunch of people around right? like a bus or something right like a cab or something yeah right they must just call them cars I guess so. Does, is cars an acronym? Do you know? Like, what are cars? I don't. Where does that word come from? Oh, uh, carriage. Oh, okay. Carriage. Okay. Horseless carriage. Okay, which sort of implies what you're transporting, I guess, right? Like the the carriage itself. Like, well, the carriage is the transporter. Well, right. Okay. No pun yeah. intended. Wow, we're getting way to do this. All right. So anyway, so they probably call them cars. <laughs> let's assume they call them flying cars, because fine, because in the 20th I, century that's what we call them. So let's assume that's what they keep calling them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't really have much else to say. It's like, I mean, one, one thing I, I did think about was like, think about the, um, how superior the artificial intelligence, uh, you know, um, sophistication would have to be, um, compared to what we have now. Um, which to be fair, we've only had AI for like 20 years, really ah. not, you know, in practical senses, like out there in the world, like not even that, like maybe 10 years. Yeah. So like, we still can't even get like. Uh, wheeled cars you know, on the ground, grounded cars to to work safely and 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 uh, uh, correctly. You mean like self driving so, cars? You mean self driving? Yep. I got you. Okay, you're yeah. right, right, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. 
<laughs> we have no. You said AI. Ones have humans drivers. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> we we kind of have we those locked down. I think at this point, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, just think about like just flying around in the air in three dimensions, not just two. You know, like imagine the, uh, the and, and there's no roads. You know, no no not anything. There's got to be so. some sort of. They always seem like you know whether it's Futurama or the Fifth Element or, or or you know or Star Trek. There always seem to be in lines. Like there's still like air roads that people yeah. apparently follow. Yeah. Otherwise, you're right, right, it would be right. complete and total yeah. chaos, you know. Um, it's probably right. similar to air traffic technology, you know. I'm sure they uh, – how they track that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they would do, but uh, <laughs> you're right. It'd be, it'd be complete and utter chaos and the AI trying to figure three dimensions. I mean, yeah, you're right. It'd be, uh, yeah, it would have to be it, – it, yeah, it would have to be total AI. Like, <laughs> right. Which I believe they'll have, you know. Oh, sure. Um, so I believe it, it, it'll definitely be possible someday, but that's it. Agreed. Nice. All right, my number five. The cloaking device. Um, so uh, here's what I didn't know about the cloaking device. I guess I should have assumed it, but I didn't know it was a Star Trek invention. Um, so, wow. so apparently, like no one had sort of come up with this concept even um, of a cloaking device for like a ship, I guess, which seems weird yeah, to I me. I thought so. Um, huh. I always thought of it as a Star Trek invention. Well, but I guess I figured like all like the science fiction not like, books and writing in you know in the early yeah, 20th century. Yeah. Like I guess I assumed someone had come up with that concept. And again, right, if I'm right. wrong, I apologize. But as far as my research goes, Paul Schneider invented it for the Balance of Terror episode, and right. he based that on um, you know submarines um, sort of submerging from a couple of movies he loved. You know, Run Silent, Run Deep, and The Enemy Below. Mm, really, right. you know, famous uh, submarine films that. That he saw those and he said, wow, wouldn't that be cool to apply to a ship? Um, right. So that's kind of cool. Right. And I should also point that's out awesome. that the term cloaking device was not Paul Schneider, but that was coined by DC Fontana for the Enterprise Incident episode. And oh. here we go. The two episodes that we just mentioned, yeah, Romulans, right? Balance right. of Terror and the Enterprise Incident. So those which, – which makes sense. It's a Romulan invention. But um, sure. they that, gave us awesome, the, the idea of the cloaking device and the term – Cloaking device, um, you know, respectively. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, you know, and of course, Troy talked about the Enterprise <laughs> incident, uh, you know, on his uh, – that's where we started talking about the cloaking device being just USB. <laughs> Putting on a table. Plugged into yeah, it. Yeah, right. you know, so. so. So that's pretty USB-C, cool. So, yes, I assume. Cloaking, <laughs> right. So the cloaking device is cool. You know, it's on my list because, you know, it, it's – it's this real, really, you know, sort of uh, menace that our, some of our enemies have. You know, we talked about the Defiant having it mm-hmm. ad nauseum. So I'm not going to dwell on it, but that's, you know, that's that's my uh, that's my number – what was that? Number five. Yeah. Cloaking device. Great one. Yeah. yeah. That's all I got. Cool. Uh, number four. Watch room. The Universal Translator. Yes. Good one. Uh, it's basically magic, right? Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it almost – like, again uh, – we're talking about like like vastly superior AI technology than we have today exists in 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 this future, obviously. Um, for this, but I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's magic because I I could kind of begin to imagine how it might work and how it could instantly pick up uh, off of um, you know speech patterns and and whatever heuristics that I, I don't know anything about, but um. You know, and just basically trans be able to understand how what they're saying, and then translate it for the listener uh, into their native language. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, so if anyone doesn't know, so Universal Translator, you know, so it, that's what enables like humans to talk to all these alien species on all of these planets. And we're not just talking about translating Spanish right. to German, which we can do now. But what Luke's talking about is, you know, it's it, it's pretty much picking up on just like the syntax and like a couple sentences or anything of of a of a species, and it's then translating the rest of it. Is that is that, that right. correct? Yeah, those for right, and specifically, I mean, uh, it, it can do it with a brand new language that is encountered. There's been several episodes where they've had to wait for the universal translator to uh, to learn, so, cool. so to speak. The language, right? Totally. Um, before it can start translating. And, of course, there's been plot points around that and malfunctions and whatnot. Um, and, of course, and the, the, the Darmok episode, they could, exactly. they could translate it. Because, oh, I'm sorry. Did I just step on your step on your? No, your no. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. yeah so go for it. My bad. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah. The, the Darmok uh, episode where um, the translators, they didn't fail, uh, like, uh, technically. Um, they just it just could not figure out their language, and it turns out because their language is all metaphors, right? Um, so it's something that you know no one's ever encountered before, apparently, right? Which is pretty much how so, I how I talk. So that's interesting. That's true. So they should have encountered it. I could just by now. I could speak through references and movies and TV, and that that'd be my language. I mean, it is. It, it pretty it, much it is. Actually is. Yeah. 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 So I mean, what what an amazing device. Well, the most um, amazing aspect but. of the device, though, is that I think we mentioned this before off off uh, mic, is that like it also enables the person talking to the alien. It changes their lip patterns, so they speak exactly <laughs> the words right. that you know you're understanding in English. So you know, if you're talking right. to Romulans, their lips are apparently saying the words you know "get off my ass, asshole," you know, and 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 there's no. Uh, <laughs> There's no problem. There's no problem with the translation because you're seeing their lips move. Classic the same, Romulan. Same way. That's that's a classic. They say that all the time. Um, <laughs> get off my ass, asshole. Um, so yeah. So I'm making a joke, obviously, but you know the thing is, you know, yeah. they're, they're they're speaking English, which is great. We're not just hearing it though. They're clearly saying the words. Right. You know. Right. You know. I'm. This is the Romulan freighter, and then usually named after an Earth thing, but that that's just bizarre. Um, <laughs> Rome, like Captain Nero mythology. comes to mind, right? You know, it's, it's right, yeah, yeah, you know, right, Nero, right? Even in the newer, yeah, uh, he's, he's, oh yeah, we, of course we named ourselves after a, a a nasty Earth emperor. Why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> Aren't Romulus and Remus like, like I mean, the Remans and the Romulans, like, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, they're so it's like totally the, um, based off of the legend of how Rome was formed. It's, it's, it's right. They were like the babies, the twin babies that were, uh, I think, raised by wolves or something, yeah. right? And they became the founders of Rome. And the Klingon myth is similar to that as well, right? Like the Klingon. Yeah. Well, the the writers definitely um, like it, it's known that they um, wanted to create a race uh, with a lot of the characteristics of um, of, ancient of the Rome. Romans, ancient Rome. Yeah, um, because they just thought it was awesome. Well, he, here's um, the really they're right. Yeah, totally. And here's a really cool question though, and this I'm serious mm-hmm. about. Um, so, is the Universal Translator that balls out amazing? That they're they're not modeling it after Rome, but they're translating it for us to help us understand oh, their wow. myths and legends by using wow. our own history to help translate it to us. Like, are, are they saying, "Wow, okay, the only way that I'm going to get humans to understand this or English speakers to understand this is if I use Rome as a template for this culture?" Like, you know, is it that sophisticated? 
I can't. I can't imagine that's the I case. I can't imagine it is either. I'm right? just trying, I mean, I'm like, trying to give him an out. You're not helping. No, no, I know. It's obviously, <laughs> yeah. It obviously pulls you out of, of a suspension of, of, of belief, of disbelief. Um, but yeah, that, that's a great thought. But it can't. I mean, th- there's no other instances of it, right? It's it's for any other species, most other species, I should say. I guess not. Um, there are there are other in- well, yeah. Well, for example, I mean, like species who live in the Grizellas does come to mind. That actually, yeah. <laughs> Again, we're yeah. mentioning the Grizellas. <laughs> never, you know, I, ever, I, never ending. I didn't explain it last time. So the Grizellas are the species that Picard was trying to. Um, he was in negotiations with the Sheliak. Data's trying to evacuate the colonists from the planet. Um, it's called the, the Ensigns of Command. It was like the second episode of season three, and Picard needed a loophole in this treaty. Um, you know, to sort of shut them down and give them time to evacuate the colonists. So he found a third-party arbitration, you know, clause in the contract. So he could pick any alien species he wanted to. And he chose the Grizellas because they hibernate for six months out of the year or something. So, yeah. So and they would have to wait for them to, to come out of hibernation to, to proceed, right? Right. So either give us the three weeks we need to evacuate the colonists or we're going to use the Grizellas and then they'll be ready to rock and like, you know, when winter's over. So so did did the Universal Translator translate the name of the aliens, Grizellas, to help us understand their sleep habits, like their hibernation habits? So there's another instance. God, you know, you're, you're starting to slowly uh, convince me maybe that that could be possible. I mean, again, because I, I said out. there's no other cases, but like I immediately started thinking of some, and 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 you know, you just gave another one. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right, because most of the alien species are named something that you kind of really, you know, Klingons, Andorians, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are based yeah. on actual stars in our in our in our galaxy, you know, um, right, right. But uh, and some are just like you know Ferengi, or just it's clearly a made up name, you know. So, but right. then there are you know, there are some that are clearly Earth words that sort of need further explanation, maybe you know. Amazing. I, I I think I have to end the podcast here and, and just go off and think on this. Yeah. All night for the rest of the night. Go ahead. Good night, folks. Okay. All right. Good night. Thanks. <laughs> Universal Translator. That's a good one. Okay. My number four, go. the replicator. We talked about it. Um, yes. It's it's no coincidence that the food thing would be higher up on my list. Um, I love <laughs> I love to eat. Uh, <laughs> Hey, who doesn't? Huh? Yeah, you know, I guess my, my only qualm about the replicator is that there are like these uh, sort of V-chip nutrition things in there that don't kind of let you eat anything that's not nutritional value. Oh, yeah, right. True. Um, so, you know, hands off well, my, my McDLT, please, because I'm, I'm replicating that right now. <laughs> and it's going to be together. I don't need to flip it myself, just, just to let you know. <laughs> So, no, nah, so the replicator, right? So, yeah, so they're, they're pretty cool. So they replicate anything, you know. I'm reminded of, uh, you know, Picard when um, we first meet the Bajorans, the Ensign Row episode, and, you know, and he's telling them, our, our problem isn't, you know, our problem is blankets. You know, we, we people are, kids are, you know, you know, dying of, you know, being cold. And Picard turns right. and says, I want a blanket for every man, woman, and child by the end of the day. And that's clearly, they're just going to replicate them and bring them down. Sure. You know, so that right. that's pretty damn cool. So they're, they're feeding the world, they're feeding the galaxy, um, anything people need. It's kind of right to clothing, yeah. So you know, we, we they replicate technology. Um, you know, they they replicate. Um, I I can't think of a specific instance, but I know that they replicate like you know, um, phasers or transporters if they need to. You know, that kind of. Oh thing. yeah, right. So you yeah, know, I, I, that, 
multiple uses of these replicators have, and they're fantastic. Yeah. And they do, yeah. They they must, um, you know, work. There must be laws involved that you know, they, like similar to the Heisenberg compensators that allow this kind of stuff to happen. Um, mm-hmm. They don't deep mm-hmm. dive into replicators on next gen. They do mention them a lot more on deep space. Um, you know, I, yeah, I know true, that, true. um, and how bad they are. On, on, really? On yeah. Cause, cause they're, they're sort of, you know, low budget when they're Cardassian replicators, apparently. Right. Um, so Brian's right. always fixing the replicators, you know, on the, in the habitat <laughs> ring, you know, poor guy. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, we said a lot about it. So that's, that's it. Replicators, uh, my number four. Cool. cool. Number three, the holodeck. Yeah, there it is. Already talked, uh, you know, probably said most of the stuff about it that needs to be said. Um, yeah, I, I just want to go back briefly to something I mentioned even before you mentioned it as on your list, but the fact that um, holograms, the technology creates solid objects mm. um, is just, that's like fascinating to me. Like they, And they made that choice, the writers, that is, uh, right off the bat with Next Gen. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, yeah, first episode, we we're, you know, Riker goes to find Data and meet him for the first time and He's sitting up in a tree and, you know, Riker has to jump across like, uh, you know, a little stream and whatnot. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, damn it. Like, I don't know. I just, there's something so compelling about that. Like that. I just love it every time it happens. I mean, it's amazing. Have, like, I mean, it's, it's, we're kind of like, yeah. we've taken a step there with virtual reality, right? So, right. you know, our brain believes already that some of these objects are solid. I mean, you and I right. have messed with the PS4. VR, you know, and like, mm-hmm, and just, mm-hmm. just even something as rudimentary as that, you know, you're like, wow, this, this looks really cool. And I feel like I can reach out and touch these things. So we're kind of halfway right, there. Right. It's just a question of sort of, you know, like you said, having the AI to like, whenever you're going to touch, whenever a character interacting with the environment is going to touch something, is that when they sort of transport matter into just it? just going to say that. It solid? I was going to ask that same question. Because I right, can't see any right. other way because they certainly don't have enough to make, you know, the entire world they're creating there, you know touchable matter solid um you know so i mean certainly not at the at the very least nothing that you can see in in the program while you're in the program that goes beyond the walls of the holodeck obviously that can't which is always tricky and fascinating when they when they point out where the wall is that's always that's always a cool thing because you're always like wow that's i guess that's kind of cool you could do it you know you could kind of you get an idea that they okay they could pull that off yeah yeah you're just moving the the scenery as someone like Walk, <laughs> right? So but there's no frame walking, rate, right? It just looks really smooth, <laughs> right? Well, it's, a, it's just a very high, yeah. So, rate. that when you're walking, right? Here, here's a flaw like, so how does that work? You know, well, it, 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 I could see how it could work again if the ground is solid and moving, right? So, like a giant so treadmill by, that can go in any direction, kind of thing. exactly, exactly, gotcha. Yeah. And 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 the, obviously, the, the AI is, is sophisticated enough and fast enough to, um, you know, to do that to make it. Uh, based on your movement. And the computer fools you in other ways. So, Data, what do we... uh, Remember that line? You remember that throwaway line? They're trying to explain to Dr. (laughs) Pulaski why they can create Victorian London for Data's, you know, Sherlock Holmes fantasy. And Jordy's like, well, you know, it uses things similar to the transporter and the computer fools you in other ways. Data, you know, it just moves right on. Like, that was it. That was all the explanation (laughs) they needed. And the computer fools you in other... This is a chief engineer of a starship. The chief engineer engineer of a starship. The flagship cutting edge. Who has a device that completely lets him see and fools his brain into thinking that he's actually seeing, you know... Again, it fools. You know, computers can fool. And and to great effect, apparently. 
And it was the equivalent of saying, and all uh, other really cool shit. So uh, Dana, you know, so it's, it's, he's pretty much just saying that. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, um, yeah, no, that's it. I'm good. Awesome. That was your number three. Yes. All right. So my number three, we talked about it already, is subspace communication. Uh-huh. Not a not subspace radio. Not um you know not sports radio going out to you know these planets, <laughs> but uh same thing. Yeah. Subspace communication. So yeah. So this is also one of those things that I feel like we um you know we uh, we can sort of see happening. You know, I suppose when radio was invented, you know, and, and you realize you could transmit you know uh, sounds and even images to you know far distances quickly they must have been like holy shit yeah. you know we did it guys let's pack up we're done you know they didn't yeah, know more was yeah. coming but that must have been amaze balls so right yeah so you you can imagine it but yeah like you said there would there would there'd be no federation there'd be no unified mm-hmm. exploration if you couldn't mm-hmm. have subspace communications um and it's a great idea you know it's 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 the equivalent of saving a game right you're you're sending yeah. logs and reports to starfleet as you're moving along you know so if, right. if we blew up Tomorrow, they would know everything we've done up until now in, you know, and, and they'll in know real time. In, in real time. Exactly right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's the equivalent of sort of just being like, all right, safe, you know, or like when, when right. we're writing our, you know, control S, control right. S, control S, right? <laughs> kind of what it reminded me of, honestly, when I was thinking about yes, this. Yeah. You, pre- so you telling me about control S, you know. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so something communication. It's, it's pretty amazing, you know. So, and, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I actually thought when you said I didn't do any research, I was like, oh, I'm going to get him. I thought I did. And I looked at my notes, <laughs> didn't do any research. I did research on my number two. So <laughs> I got a lot to say about that. But I didn't do any research right. on Fair my enough. number three. So, you know, I, I, I failed you, Your Highness. So uh, so that, that's it. That's we, You said everything that could possibly be said. I would just be like a fool saying it. So number three, substance communication. <laughs> fool. Okay. I'm a, I'm a wartime hero fool. That's a jerky boy reference, and that's it. That's, that's all you get. I'm not telling you why I said it. Done. <laughs> I'm speaking through through Johnny G metaphor is how I'm going to continue to speak now. I'm going to say piss clams, and you're going to know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. I'm dying here, literally. That's right. I'm done. Oh, you got number two, baby. Take it. Christ. Take us home. All right. Number two. Try to pull this back here. Transporters. All right. Yeah. Nice. Good job. Um, Good job. So I mean, I mean, it's it's almost self-explanatory why this is such an amazing invention. Uh, you know, I mean, you could go instantly from one place to another. <laughs> uh, the range. I, I don't know. I don't know what the like the, the specs are on like ranges of transporters. Um, obviously, they they're not very long range. Otherwise, starships would be completely useless like there'd be no reason to <laughs> to have it travel at warp anywhere right totally just transport there instead um but uh yeah so so our transporter is um actually a copy this is this is my question that, that came up um it's it's an exact copy of you that is reconstituted on the other end Right. It's a copy. Isn't it the same molecules just reassembled? That's what. See, I don't know. I should have tried to to honestly dig into this more to see if there's been any attempts at uh, clarifying this hmm. or not. But um, the the actual like the easy way for transporters to work 
um, would be to not actually literally transport your matter from one place to another and reconstitute it because it's reading the exact, the exact position and, and motion, uh, motion. Yep. Of every, every molecule in in your body. Mm. Right. Yeah. That includes like your current synapses that are happening in your brain, which is right. So unchartable, right? Like even, even in the 24th century, you would imagine, Right, with the number of synapses in your brain, there's like no way, right? Well, yeah, I mean, so you mean just like computationally? I, you know what? Like, it l- l- Let me stop right there enough? and just let, let you keep going. Okay. Thank you. Fair enough. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so right, so re- it reads, so it basically scans your body, right, Mo- to, the, to the molecular level. Um, why, why bother to invent a completely kind of like parallel technology completely separate to that to actually magically transport that matter those molecules to the destination and then reconstitute it 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 probably is i mean that probably was at least the original idea i don't know if it's ever been revisited um but because on the other on the other end, it's 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 reading that data, right, um, of of the person, their their transporter pattern. They they'll, they'll call it right. So wait, so you're you're um, kind of saying like so you're saying like like every time you use a transporter, you die, basically. Well, that's where I'm going. Okay, and then a new, being a new copy of you is being made. Yeah, and there's no difference. There's literally no difference. I mean, except to the people who get. You know, blinked into nothingness. I guess, right? Right, but <laughs> that's that's the that's the insanity of it. Because <laughs> whether whether or not it's the same matter, it it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, because on the other end, you're taking that scan that happened on on the uh, origin where you're coming from, and reconstituting that person or whatever molecule by molecule based on that that scan the data from that scan that right that can't I mean, that, be right i have to imagine that's wrong i mean why why would like why would bones fear the transporter then i mean he would just fear death you know but he doesn't he fears like well, he himself so. won't be reassembled though like like he he is assuming that he's the one going to be reassembled you know what i mean like like he wouldn't right. he wouldn't be afraid of that per se he'd be afraid of just right you know, all right, my consciousness, this, this is it. You know, I got I to go to a planet, so I'm dead. Like, that's it. You know, like, it seems pretty, pretty <laughs> wild to me. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. But, I mean, how else would it work? By by the hard way. Like, by taking you apart and then putting you back together. But the okay. same the same person, the same matter is what I always Okay, assumed. but if I can recreate every single part of you with... Like even even a neuron in your brain, I can recreate that exactly from molecules, from elements, right? Yeah. From from atoms. I'm talking atom at the atomic level. Yes. Not just molecular at the atomic level. Mm-hmm. Um. Why would you? Hydrogen is hydrogen. Carbon is carbon. Right. An atom of carbon is an atom of carbon. Okay. There's literally, there's literally no way to differentiate the two unless there's some, uh, 
different kind of uh, state that you know the the, the, um, the energy levels of the electrons are in, or, or whether it's a um, um, you know it's an ion or, or something. But that that's also known during the scan. Otherwise, it can't put you back together exactly the way you were. So you're saying why do it the other way? I'm saying if you do it with the original matter, with the original when I say matter, we're talking about atoms, right? Yes. Like literally atomized, you're atomized. Uh, whether you do it with the original elemental atoms or a completely different cache of atoms at your disposal, what's the difference? Well, well you're okay. So, so obviously, just from a purely scientific level, that's what you're talking about because you're ruling out any yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, um, you know. Spiritual soul or any kind of like consciousness yes. is what yes. you're what you're ruling out, right? Yes. I can't imagine a lot of people would go for that even in the 24th century. <laughs> no shit. I feel like they would say, you know what? I'll take the chance and I'll use these old. Let, let's recycle my molecules. That way, I still see God when I die. Like I imagine. No, but see, but but no, but I mean, so okay, so let's let's posit that a soul exists. Okay, whatever it's made up of is irrelevant. Uh, to, to to our conversation, uh, how do they transport your soul? No, well, I mean, they kind of don't. Right, the soul is not like you said; it's not tangible. So mm-hmm. you're you're eliminating one soul and creating another. Technically, maybe in sort of a um, you know a data esque sort of right. way. Each time you do that, right. you know, um, yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, so like some some other transporter knows how to do that, right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Or or even or, or or doesn't know how to do it, but it magically happens, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. You're always yeah. more than some of your parts, I guess. But that's uh, that's pretty radical. That's that's pretty from a yeah, from, I mean, from from a um a Borg or a um you know Matrix robot sort of point of view. That's they would do it that way because it's the most efficient way to do it. Um. Right from a from from a sane society's way, I can't imagine even in the twenty fourth century they would go for that. Um, yeah, that's why it's insane. Yeah, <laughs> it is insane. Bones is like the only sane one. Bones and Barclay. <laughs> yeah, I think right? you're, I think you're right. They're the only sane ones in the entire federation. I mean, I, I was gonna you know transport to Paris tomorrow, but I'm definitely not doing it now. I'll take the plane. <laughs> that's fine. That's ridiculous. I mean. I- I could go. I could go on and on about this. I feel like we both could go on and on about this, but it's crazy because. It, <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? Like if you're if you're being re- reconstituted, on the other end, no one, even yourself, or I should say, no one, and even that copy of you would know the difference because you'd you'd have the same thoughts. Except for you example. would know going in that you were about to be blinked into nothing. Yes, that's the thing. Yes. So and and here's right. also the thing. So religion does very much exist, even for humans in the uh, in the 24th yeah. century. You know, sure. Picard believes in something. Cisco believes in something. So taking away, you know, our beliefs or our listeners' beliefs, like in universe, I can't imagine that mm-hmm. they would use an invention like that because it would sort of. I agree. It would just offend too many people, I guess. Well, and you'd you'd be dying. You're correct. Every time you transport. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's the that's the uh, that's the, the fatal flaw I think of this technology in terms of you know the the creators hmm. the, the writers because um, it doesn't really it, it's insane it's it's actually insane like so so just to be clear so you're saying if you transport the original atoms through space and time 
to the destination, you would assume that the soul would go along the with the same that. So consciousness, the same intangible soul would would yeah be with that same right. entity. Again, you know, given given uh, the you know, granting the assumption that that the soul exists. Of course, yeah. So like, okay, so then I just want to know how they transport those atoms. Then you're right. Then you're then you're back in the, with the same problem as <laughs> as before. How do you transport things like yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, like magically over over space and time. The Heisenberg compensators help apparently. <laughs> 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 yeah, I didn't even touch on that. Look, I won't now. Aren't, aren't you? What's aren't that? you impressed that I knew that you were going to say motion? Yes, yes, I was impressed. Well, I did research, Excellent. and I looked up what what the Heisenberg uncertainty principle was. So that's the only reason I knew that. Sweet. Yeah, I just yeah. I, I have a I have a I have a feeling we're going to be talking about we're that. We're gonna, but uh, good, good, good. Let's let's uh let's talk about my number two. We'll save it. Yeah, let's let's get past which this, is uh, like, which is philosophical inside. I mean, I I like the fact that I feel like we're gonna have the same number one and two just reversed. Um, spoiler yep. alert, guys! But my number two is warp drive. Um, yeah. So yeah, so so I, I'm not gonna harp on this, but I do have some things to say about it because I've always wondered what the difference was between warp drive, transwarp, and quantum slipstream. Okay, so I'm just gonna dive into this. Feel free to chime in when right. you want. So Please. Federation transwarp. Okay, so warp drive is, is warp drive. We talked about that. So you create a bubble and you travel at, you know, warp speed, these fantastical speeds. The static warp shell helps, you know, the create it prevents the ship from tearing apart at those speeds. And, you know, you warp around the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Great. Wonderful. But then they said the words transport, transwarp, and you said, oh, shit, well, what's happening there? So different types right. of transwarp. So the Federation transwarp, which we which you were correct, was first mentioned in Descent, um, Next Gen, Season 6 and uh, Cliffhanger. Transwarp can't be employed with conventional dilithium crystals uh, because they come unstable at high warp frequencies. Um, mm. So apparently Federation Transwarp was created um, when Tom Paris, when they found a type of dilithium in the Delta Quadrant that could remain stable at those frequencies. So that's how yeah. Paris was able to break the warp barrier and create, you know, the infamous, you know, um, mm. episode, you know, threshold. Don't say No, it. no, no. So it's fine. Um, so that's that's where Federation <laughs> trans. I really am just skirting right over it. So that's where Federation Transwarp comes from. And look, I don't have a hatred for that episode like a lot of people do. It's it's funny to me that. that like that episode, you know, because there are clunkers in every show, and there's great episodes in every show. So it's funny that that yeah. episode, like maybe because it's some something that like you know we sort of been wait we're hearing about the warp barrier for so many years. And finally, when it's done, you yeah. know, you just get slugs having sex. So I guess that's kind of this is what you get, yeah. right? So I, 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 <laughs> well, get, it. Right. I get that's it. That's why it's insane. Anyway, it's so that that that's yeah. Federation transwarp, Borg transwarp. So they created a transwarp network, assuming they right. have. Del- I, I assume it's sort of the same way where they they sort of have dilithium crystals that don't. Well, they come from the Delta Quadrant, right? So right. That's, oh, there you go. It's a great point. So they probably use the same type of dilithium, but they create these transwarp networks that anyone could kind of just slide in and use. Um, right. And even when they don't have a network to sort of you know slide into, the Borg, Borg cubes have transwarp coils that create a transwarp continent, mm-hmm. even if there isn't one. Right. Here's the cool thing. So oddly enough, the very design that we were marveling at in our previous pod – um, the Starship Design Pod. I'm sorry, two pods ago, our Starship mm. uh, Designs Pod that we did with our, our buddy Troy. So mm. the very thing that we were modeling, uh, marveling over, the Borg Cube, uh, this actually hinders um, traveling a transwarp. Due to its size, they need a um, 
They need a, a chronoton field to counter the temporal stresses due to the size of a board cube traveling in a transwarp uh, stream. Um, huh. They also uh, need structural integrity field to counter the gravimetric shear that a, a ship that big <laughs> creates. So it's interesting that, like, you know, okay. the very thing that we were modeling over the size of a board, we'd say it was like miles and miles, yeah. of, you know, long. So, yeah, so that does create additional problems that smaller ships like Voyager or Federation ships don't have in a transwarp field. Yeah. So th- they got to create all these other inventions just for a ship their size. So you would think they would create smaller ships, but I guess they need bigger ships for, you know, all the, the Borg drones that they have. So that was kind of cool. And they're also such a brute force uh, uh, culture. You know, their, their technology is just brute force that they just throw, Yeah, you know, just throw enough, like, energy and, and matter at something and yeah no problem we'll just we'll, we'll just create a, a we'll just we'll just counter yeah. the gravimetric shear we'll just make a chronoton we field. have all this other technology and we'll, it doesn't have to be efficient because we have basically you know almost unlimited supplies yeah. of, of so, whatever not a problem need, so. we'll, we'll do whatever we need to yeah. do um yeah we'll wear the equivalent right. of a space condom to get through if we have to that's fine it's no problem <laughs> um that is absolutely a horrible that, that makes no sense that everybody just wanted to say space condom <laughs> i mean i didn't get that either <laughs> who would who would get that it's the, the babblings of a madman is what it is. So Dave would the, Dave, Dave, Dave would have gotten it. Ah, rest in peace, Dave. So so that's Transwarp. Quantum Slipstream was also created by you know uh, Bolana Torres on, and Voyager, and it's based on that the USS Dauntless, um, a fake ship. Stay with me now. So uh, okay. when um, I think it was Arturus of Species One One Six was helping the Enterprise decipher the messages, helping the Voyager decipher the messages from from the Alpha Quadrant. Um, He created this fake ship, the USS Dauntless. And on this ship, it had a way to travel uh, by way of quantum slipstream. Um, Really, quantum slipstream is just maximum warp past its limits. So instead of using antimatter, it routes energy through the main deflector, another use for the main deflector, by the way. Remember when I said nice. it had no uses? Um, yeah, you idiot. I, that's me. So it, it routes energy through the main deflector to, to focus a quantum field, but it's difficult to maintain because you have to make constant adjustments to the phase variance of the quantum field. Guys, I don't know half the words I'm saying, by the way. I'm reading, you know, from, from <laughs> this is memory alpha, you know, and thank God for that. Yeah, that's what I've, that's what I assumed. But it did help me clean up the difference. I did always wonder about the difference um, between all these things. So yeah, me too. There's me too. warp, there's transwarp, both Federation and Borg transwarp, and there's quantum slipstream. Um, I think it's cool that Voyager created, you know, both Federation transwarp and quantum slipstream. They really had yeah. that technology shit going on. Yeah, totally. So very cool. The long and short of this, folks, is warp drive is pretty damn cool. You go places really fast, um, and it helps you. You know, there wouldn't be warp travel. There wouldn't be space travel without warp speed. Um, a little footnote, it should be mentioned, that we did mention um, the effect that these things have on space when you talked about impulse, um, or the effect it certainly it has on people traveling at impulse. But, you know, there is that that um, Next Gen episode, I can't remember the name, where it turns out that that using warp fields are hurting space. Um, right, right. You know, so we're not supposed to be traveling, the Federation <clears throat> that is, over warp five unless it's an emergency. Which is, uh, right. which, you know, they kind of let go of that on Deep Space and Voyager, but, uh, you know, that happened. Yeah. So warp drive is supposed like, to be understandably, like, used only but in emergencies, uh, upper warp uh, drive speeds. That right, is. Right. One last thing the Omega Directive, which is kind of cool. So the Omega molecule in Voyager, um, and I'm not going to explain what that is, but just anybody who knows what that is, it's pretty cool. We know that that, that makes warp drive impossible 
if Omega, you know, sort of explodes. Oh, yeah. Right. So, you know, okay. I always think of, you know, the Omega molecule, one of my favorite episodes, the Omega Directive. Um, uh, I always equate that with warp drive. I think that's kind of cool. It kind of goes hand in hand. You know, so we have this great invention, but it can be easily taken down by what we think caused yeah. the Big Bang, which sort of makes you think that warp drive itself is, is wow. an unnatural I- thing to be doing. Um, in a sense. Yeah. Kind of, right? Yeah. Kind of um, cool concepts. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I forgot all about the Omega. I've only heard or read about Omega Molecule. Mm, it's a great episode. Um, I got to I gotta watch that because that, that's – you said a lot of shit that is blowing my mind It's right a great now. 7 of 9 episode too just from a character standpoint. You know, her being yeah. the Borg, she still latches on to needing to understand perfection. And to the Borg, the Omega Molecule mm. is the epitome of perfection. So it's really cool. Wow. Cool episode. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So that was my that was my number two. And again, that was not that was me finally wanting to understand the difference between all those things, doing the research and just pretty much reading the research that I did. So, you know, that's that. That's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'll just I'll just go right into my number one uh, and continue the conversation on Warp. Gotta be. Go. Um obviously my number one. <laughs> um Yeah, so so we didn't really touch on exactly what warp technology is. Um, you know, you mentioned that you create a warp bubble. What does that mean? It, you're, you're, so, so literally the ship, the, the, the engine, the warp engines are warping space time around them. Um, and actually moving space, space time, uh, past it, like pulling space past the ship, hmm. so to speak. And the ship remains stationary. That's why there's no, um, you know, the ship is not like accelerating to get to these speeds. It's just standing still compared to, um, you know, compared to its position in space. It's really cool. Um, so an easy, I think maybe one of the easier ways to think about how this actually works is, um, it's exactly the same kind of, um, physics as a wormhole for traveling vast distances in space without actually going those distances. One way to think about it is if you have um, a balloon um, and you're a ship and, you know, all of space and, and time is is the surface of that balloon. So you can only, you know, the ship would only be able to travel on the surface of, of the balloon to get to the other side of it, for example. But what a wormhole is or what warp ends up replicating um, the same, having the same end result of traveling through a wormhole is you could picture taking your two fingers um, on either side of the balloon, pushing them so that your fingers are now touching and you've warped the balloon, the, 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 the topography, the, the, the shape of the balloon um, to match your fingers. Hmm. So your fingers are actually touching. Okay. So if you could, so all you have to do then is kind of rip that little hole there between your fingers on, on both sides of the surface of the balloon and you've got a hole there and, you know, take your fingers away and, you know, pretend it magically would stay that way. Um, the ship can go right through that hole to the other side of the balloon in a much shorter distance. So that's what these ships are doing all over the goddamn place. <gasps> They're doing this to space. Just raping space everywhere. Space time. So that that episode they mentioned, I forgot, what was it called again? Where they introduced the, the speed limit, the warp speed limit? Because they're um, sorry, the, the, where where they're limiting their speeds because it's. Ruining I, couldn't th- I think it was time. quality of life. I couldn't think of it, but I, I think, oh, okay, I think it's okay. quality of life. Okay, yeah, I can't remember either, but 
that is a genius episode because um, they didn't get into like all the physics of of of, of it all. Um, like I kind of just touched on, but of course this would be like destroying space all over the place. Um, yeah, okay, maybe it's temporarily just while you're traveling, but um, you know they're talking about like you're ruining the fabric of space time itself. Which yeah, I could totally get, but like, what happens if you accidentally go too close to like a planet or something? I'm sorry, like, you could destroy that planet. I mean, it's so true. It must have been. And by the way, it was the episode "Force of Nature" from Next Gen Season Seven. Okay. I had to look that up. Okay. Sorry, folks. Quality of Life was the one with it the exocoms. Something of something. Yeah, yeah. my bad. Oh, okay. So okay. so yeah, so that's. I mean, there must have been there must have been real like a real cool scientific research behind that episode, right? I mean, people must have been like, you know, this would have an effect. I bet. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I bet you're right. I bet they did get into like the phys- real life physical consequences of, of, of creating, you know, warp fields all over the place, warping space, literally um, all over the place. Um, and they probably kind of filtered it down for the plot of the episode and didn't get too much into the actual science. But I bet you're right. I bet, I bet the story came from real science, like thinking about warp drive. So, yeah. So, I mean, so that's how warp drive works, um, which is incredible you know like i mean how else are we ever gonna get to speeds Uh, one more important very important thing i'll mention is that it is actually impossible for anything to travel faster than the speed of light Mm. um and if you're anything with mass um then you can't even get to the speed of light um it's physically impossible you need more and more energy as you approach the speed of light Interesting. Um, here's 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 a quick question for you then. Yes. And this this is an in-universe question. It probably doesn't have an answer. Um, but I, the data did one time say that there is no natural phenomenon that could travel at the speed of light, which would seem to align with what you're talking about. Yeah. However, he did forget to mention the crystalline entity, which does travel at light speeds. Um, so that would seem to fly in the face of what you're saying is um, this was a natural sort of living being – that was traveling at the speed of light, assuming that it didn't have some sort of technological feature that was creating some sort of bubble. warp, right? Yeah, right, right. or warping space, right. right? Okay, that would be that would be the easiest uh, explanation, I would think. Um, the other thing being um, that it, it has no mass; it's it's just pure energy. Mm, which which th- it may be that may be the case, right? Right. So photons, for example, which are particles of light so to speak um has no mass that's why a photon travels at the speed of light hmm. um, okay that's awesome yeah and and interestingly if it has no mass it can never go slower than the speed of light um in a vacuum i should say in in space like <clears throat> not in any kind of medium but um anyway so uh right so that's why warp something like warp basically a loophole um, is, is the only way we're ever going to get to the stars hmm. in real life. Like, you know, in reality, um, yeah. there's going to have to be something, I shouldn't say the only way there can be, you know, the, the kinds of things where people are just going to live on ships for a very long time before they get to another star system. Right. Right. Wow. Even though I knew, even though I knew this was a tech episode I, I i'm i'm surprised with how technical we're all getting i, I really am yeah I'm, i yeah i it, originally i was like wow transporters are cool i could go from here to there right away <laughs> and now it's like oh my god now you're we're blowing each other's molecule minds at subatomic levels <laughs> <laughs> don't do that because then the soul disappears <laughs> 
yeah, no. Um, uh, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm just I love completely it. nerding out. Obviously, this, this, this is my jam. But uh, it's different. That's for sure. We're giving them something different this episode. No question about it. Yeah, yeah. Were you going to mention? Um, um, no, I'm just trying to think if I had anything else on the on the warp. Um, uh, oh yeah, just one one little uh, side note I wanted to mention in 2009 Star Trek, J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek. If you remember the part where uh, Scotty, well, older um, Spock meets younger Scotty and gives him the equation for, uh, I figure what they called it, it but it was, it was called transwarp. Trans, it is right. It was called transwarp, yeah. uh-huh. but a completely different kind of transwarp. It's right. transporting while warping, right? Yeah, correct. Trans, being able to use the transporter uh, and beaming onto something traveling at warp. And that's how they got back on the Enterprise. From very far away. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, right. Yeah, very far, right. Um, but what, what's, what jumped out at me immediately is that uh, when he, when young Scotty's looking at his own future self's equation. Uh, it never occurred says, to huh, me. Go. It never occurred to me to think of the ship as stationary and space as what's moving. I was like, what? So cool. I never, what? I, never, I didn't put two other together when you were talking about it. That's obviously, that's the whole concept behind Warp. Of course you've. You've that's how you've thought of it. It that's would have occurred to him. think of it. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was just kind of like uh, I don't know, uh, a blooper. In that, that was for us. Like, that was for me. That was for people writing. like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it blew no, my mind well, with something that you know you knew it had been around for a while. Like that concept. Well, that's the, that's the thing though. Like that. That's why it was cool. Um, it, right. They they executed it wrong, but but uh, by by having him have that epiphany, um, but it was cool that they got it across on on you know in a movie. <laughs> yeah, so, at least they got that. it right in some way. I got to hear you. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, my number one. Number one. Uh, yeah, I think we know. So my number one is the transporter, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. So come on. This is just on here because it's goddamn cool. You know, so who wouldn't mm-hmm. like to, you know, me me getting killed each time aside. Um, it would uh, it'd be really cool <laughs> to zip around and do, do this and that. Uh, you know, you want to yeah. just, you know, zip to another planet. Instantaneously do it. You want to beam down to, uh, you know, beam up to a ship and you fly away. Awesome. You want to just shoot over to see your grandfather in France. You could do that instantaneously. Yes. You know, it's really, really yes. cool. This is one of those, like, you know, um, you know, would you rather fly or be invisible? Sort of, you know, <laughs> you always right. ask yourself as a kid, right? You know? Yep. Yep. Why this wasn't in there, you know, because it's pretty much, other than the sensation of flying, this is better than flying as far as, you know, A sure. to Z, A to B. Um, you know, or yeah. Z, I mean, or, or Z, yeah, just just yeah. just go anywhere, you know, it's so in, in, in the blink of an eye, it's so great. Zimbabwe, yeah, yeah, who wouldn't want to go to Zimbabwe tonight, you know what I mean? So now, look now, right now, let's yeah. go. Um, okay, is I'm it still here. called Zimbabwe, it's not, is it? Is Zimbabwe no, it is. still around? Oh, it is, okay, you're thinking of Zaire, Zaire, got, Congo, got, is, what used to be called Zaire, it's yeah. now called uh, Pepsi Presents New Zanzibar, right? <laughs> Simpsons that's episode. exactly right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's called Zanzibar. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. It's called Pepsi Presents New Zanzibar. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we said a lot about the transporters, you know. And, um, you know, it's – it's. I'm always – you know, the Heisenberg compensators are something that's a thing on Star Trek. Um, and, you know, since I did the research, I'm just going to read it out because I want to tell a yes, quick little clue about it. So the Heisenberg uncertainty principle states that on a subatomic level, it is possible to know the position or motion of a particle, but not both, hence making transporters same impossible. Time. So yeah. at some point, yeah, at the same time, there you go. So at some point, Star Trek people created, a, you know, Heisenberg compensators, which lets you do that. 
So I remember it's it was around really, that, right? Yeah. So, so the one thing I want to say about that, I've always loved this, you know. So reading about an interview that Rick Berman, um, you know, who sort of took up the mantle after Gene Roddenberry passed away, um, you know, he was doing an interview and they were talking about the technology of Star Trek and. And, you know, he said, how do transporters work? And he said, well, you know, something like it's Heisenberg compensators. And he said, oh, really? Mm-hmm. How, how do those work? And the interview ended with him saying, very well. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> classic. I he did. You're right. Classic. You know, I, I know we've talked, it, yeah. we've talked about that in the past. And I always, whenever I think about transporters mm-hmm. or the Heisenberg compensators, I always think about that great answer. You know, how do they work? Oh, they work great. Yep. You know, all right, see you yep. tomorrow. You know. Um, so, so yeah. awesome. Transporters. A, a, a fundamental staple of Star Trek, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, the sound, the transporter pad, like everyone knows, oh. everyone, everyone knows beam me up Scotty, yeah. right? That's so true. That's a good that, point. That, that's that's really an argument for making transporters number one instead of my number two, because that is just the quintessential Star Trek technology. But, but, you know, but a close phasers, second. Communicators. Like, like warp speed, like that, that, that's a close second, you know, like yeah. warp factor too, you know, yeah. so you're, 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 we're right on the money here. You know, this is certainly to any yeah. non-Star Trek fan, you know, a matter of fact, I was talking to a friend of mine who is a non-Star Trek fan who is going to come on and guest on the pod soon, um, mm. largely for that reason, to get a different perspective. Um, yeah, but I was talking great. to him, my friend Brian, and I was asking him, so other than Kirk and Spock, you know, do you know any names? And the first thing he said was, well, I, you know, obviously I know Scotty from Beam Me Up Scotty, you know, and that was right, like the first right. thing he mentioned. So that's, you know, and that's, that's awesome. transporters, folks. So true. That, that, that's that's my, that's my top 10. That's our top 10. That's Star Trek. What else you got? Good. Lucas Jerome Boyle. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it would be great. Uh, if, uh, you know, as we always say, reach out to us, um, I'll let Phil give the uh, all the uh, all the details. Yeah, on you know, I don't know it. I could do that. But, uh, I, I'm able to do that now. Let us know. Let, let us know what we missed. I'm mean, sure there's somebody out there who's yelling, "You phasers, shields, something, <laughs> anything." You know, um, you know. Let us know what we missed. If there's a deep cut yeah. that we forgot about, that's just just awesome. You know, you know, just just throw it up on our Twitter. Uh, let us know. Let us know how we're doing. Either way, you can hit us up at start. Uh, sorry, at stwarp10. That's on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, check yep. us out, like, subscribe, you know, listen to the pod. You're listening to the pod already, but tell tell a yeah. friend. Um, you know, we, we love, 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 love doing this. You know, rate and review. It would it would be yeah. great help. You know, people can eat more easily find us and more people listen and we could become a bigger, happier family. That'd be fantastic. But yeah, yeah. Th- thanks to anyone who's listening. It's, it's, it's so awesome that people are actually listening to, to, to how much fun we have talking about Star Trek. I hope you have as much fun. Uh, listening to it so uh yeah you know that's it so we will definitely see you guys again real soon that's right 